does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hubler has it all. <laughs> you got to turn on your mic and say that, Mark. It was like... Kevin, it was like watching election <laughs> results are like watching. Have you ever watched volleyball? You went to Cathedral. It's a big volleyball oh, school. You're, my wife is a big volleyball Volleyball player. is like a huge momentum sport. One team that's serving all of a sudden goes on a right. run and has like sitting and you're like, but wait a minute, but the best servers for the other team. And so they're going to come back and you got to wait because, you, you, you know, so that's what, you know, you watch election results and it's like. Candidate A just took an 11-point lead. Holy cow, upset brewing. Well, but they haven't counted this area. Candidate B just had a, another wave just came in, and now they're up three. And I just Six counties left to be counted. Look at these counties' right. history I, and all of it. Listen, the one thing I will say about election night, and, and people can jump all over me all they want for whatever network, this, that. I flip around. Okay, I watch all of them, but... I think his name is John King that does the map on CNN. That guy's unbelievable. First off, he must drink nine cups of espresso because he's moving a mile a minute. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they can zero in on any state, any county, it's unbelievable. Like they they touch a screen and he says, well, I mean, you know, this county here, I mean, you got to keep in mind, that's the that's the Bowen Dyketon race, which is is leaned heavily one way. and And you're like. I'm like, did he just click on Carson Court where I grew up? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, that, it is that nuanced. But um, well, the fact that he's like, this is the I don't even know what county I live in. Sometimes and he's like, oh yeah, this county in Pennsylvania. Yeah, this, this it's unbelievable. Like, Jesus, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I was kidding to start Wednesday's show, but nonetheless, uh, good Wednesday morning to you. Uh, it looks like another nice day here in Indianapolis. Just walking into the building, I don't. know, I feel like every time I get out of the parking garage, walk in here, I'm like, all right, the day is starting. And I think to myself, wow, I'm going to go out to Colts practice today. And Jeff Saturday is going to be the head coach. Uh, I'm going to go to a Colts press conference at noon today. And Jeff Saturday will be leading that press conference. It's kind of wild. You know, I thought about this yesterday. Derek, who called the program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Derek and I talked yesterday because he's back. He's taking some online classes for some work stuff. So we, I, I called him so that we could kind of go over some of the, the challenges that Just further in the upper that. quartile, making sure we both are on the same page. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, he was impressed that I could explain the upper quartile of the upper quartile. But in talking to Derek and talking about the show and, and asking him about what he likes and doesn't like, and he, he had called in yesterday. You know, one thing, Kevin, that, that I have to remind myself, and I think we all do this no matter what line of work you're in, um, but, you know, every once in a while, I do have to remind myself, admittedly, that we've got a pretty cool job. we got a pretty cool and a pretty fun job, and we're very, very fortunate to be able to do it. And with that comes a balance of making sure that we are giving people the information they need in addition to adding our own opinions on that information, mm-hmm. but also doing so, I think, in a way that is respectful to the fact that it is areas that are of big passion for people in this town. I mean, the Colts are an area of big passion to people in this town. And when the Colts aren't doing well, I think, you know, a lot of people are upset by that, literally. And 
So I think it's a big responsibility. I appreciate that responsibility. I hope we do it well. But it's, it is fun to do our job. But just so people know, it's not always fun to do it to talk about it when they're struggling. Because you know that people are upset by that. Yeah, I a big, big reason why I, you know, took this job, or I guess I'm fortunate to have this job, frankly. Like, I love watching sporting events. And Jake, we haven't talked about many sporting events this week. It's been a lot more businessy. It's been a lot more, you know, hirings and firings and what's the direction and not just like the reactionary stuff. I mean, the Pacers have got the MVP of the NBA in town tonight. Miles Turner just came off a 37-point game. And unfortunately, I think most of the conversation calls for a Colts-centric show today. Certainly, we'll talk Pacers. And um, I thought both the Purdue freshmen, Fletcher Loyal and Braden Smith, had really nice debuts last night in West Lafayette. We had a little maction uh, for the Ball State Cardinals. They did not pull it out, but Carson Steele continues to be a national figure with maction here alive and well in the month of November. But yeah, I, I have had a similar feeling um, that you were just alluding to. Uh, we have some more Jim Ursay comments to get to. And ironically enough, a man that Jim Ursay talked to late last night will be joining us at 9 o'clock. That would be Mike Chappell. Um, Chap's body clock usually doesn't call for a wake-up in the 7 to 10 range, maybe a little bit in the 9 o'clock, but I texted him earlier this week, and I was like, Chap, you have perspective unlike anybody else in this market. Can you do it? And then he said he would, so appreciate that. And uh, the other thing to note on the Chapel front, he spoke to Frank Reich yesterday. Um, sounds like Frank Reich wants to coach again. Um, he's off to the Charlotte area, which he has plenty of ties to, to hang out with his family. He just welcomed new, I think his first grandson into the world a few weeks ago. So him and his wife, Linda, heading down there for a couple weeks. Uh, one thing to note out of that story, Jim Mercer delivered the news of the firing of Frank Reich via a phone call. I guess the drive into the complex was a little too far. Did the Zoom link not send do you think frank reich was surprised when he looked down and saw who was calling um probably not here's the thing he might have been surprised once he saw who was calling he probably he had to know why at that point right yeah yeah he's just checking in and saying so tell me more about that raiders game yesterday or that patriots game yesterday uh, by the way, good morning to you. It is a today's Wednesday, right? It's yeah, blurred yeah. together these last couple days, but yeah, it, it is Wednesday. It, it it has that is correct. That's the voice of Mark Dykton. Kevin Bowen. My name is Jake Query. It is Kevin and Query here, ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan Stephen Holder going to join us at eight o'clock this morning. Then at eight thirty, it is Mike DeCourcy, the Dean of College Basketball Writers, as I like to call him. Nine o'clock, Mike Chapel, as Kevin mentioned, will join us. And then at nine forty five. Talk a little bit of uh, Marion football with head coach Mark Henninger joining us on the program. So a locked and loaded show today. But Kevin, back to your point, and not to belabor it, but I guess we will a little bit. It is surreal. It is still odd to think that, you know, it feels like the Colts now are just grasping at straws and they're already in. It, it, Jim Mercer's going to hate hearing this. They can tell me all they want. This isn't the case. But perceptions become reality, and the perception, I think, by virtually everybody is that the Colts have already entered the offseason, right? Like, they ain't playing for this year. Don't tell that to the boss. I, I, but come on. 
He was adamant last night with Bob Kravitz I, I get it. and Mike Chappell. Jake, look at the four moves the Colts have made in the last few weeks, okay? <laughs> they've made four very notable moves. And look at who they've replaced those guys with. You have benched Matt Ryan, and you've replaced him with a guy who's never thrown a pass in the NFL. You traded away Naheem Hines. The replacement was Jordan Wilkins, who had not had a carry in the NFL in 23 months. You fired Frank Reich, and he has now been replaced by a guy who has never coached in college or the NFL. And I guess yesterday, we kind of rounded out the quartet of moves, in a way, with Marcus Brady, offense coordinator, being fired, and it sounds like 30-year-old Parks Frazier, and honestly... I kind of like this move, and I can get more into it a little bit later. Uh, you've promoted Parks Frazier. Jeff Saturday's picked Parks Frazier to be the play caller on Sunday. Parks Frazier has never been a position coach in college or the NFL. So How about ju- this? Ju- just look at your actions. I mean, you could say that it's not a tank, but you can't sit here and act like those four moves have given your football team the best opportunity to win now. Again, I I don't necessarily... I'm content with several of those moves, but don't sit here and act like you're giving your 2022 football team the best chance to win in Foxborough last week or in Las Vegas this coming week. Parks Frazier, seven years ago, was the defensive quality control coach for Samford University. Okay? Now, that's in Alabama, right? Not Stanford, correct? Samford is in one of the, there's one that's in Alabama and one that's, I think Samford is in Birmingham, right? What's the one that's right out in Greenville, South Carolina that's near Clemson? I, I don't think it's, I think Samford is in Birmingham, yes. Uh, then he went to the defensive quality control coach at Middle Tennessee State. Then he was a graduate assistant at Arkansas State. Then he became an assistant to Frank Reich before becoming the coach of offensive quality control, JMV. Full credit. I, I don't want it to. I don't want to be steal his thunder here. I was talking with JMV last night. He brought this up. I did not recall this until he said it. Uh, Parks Frazier is the one that his house was like shot up like two years ago. You remember that? Yeah. Um, like not mi- mistargeted. Correct. Is how you'd put it. Correct. I 70, mean, 70 rounds, right? Yeah. That, that That's Parks Frazier, right? Yes. Um, I think he also kind of got some national recognition for Frank Reich was the, um, what do you call it? Ministered his wedding? Oh, really? Officiated, right? Officiated. Is that, is that yeah, the right there you word? Go. Officiated his wedding last year. Um, I, you know, J- Jeff Saturday could have gone with Scott Milanovic. He could have gone with Scotty Montgomery. Guys on the staff that have done this before. Montgomery in the college ranks. Milanovic on an interim basis with the Jags a few years ago. But you know what, Jake? What does the NFL? What does the NFL have a craze for right now? What is the thing that? Every NFL team is looking for, particularly as a coaching staff, ownership. They're looking for the young, hot, offensive mind. So what everybody's looking for. If you were an intern with Sean McVay, you're going to get an interview. And in a way, I feel like this is what Jeff Saturday's doing with Parks Frazier. By no means am I acting like Parks Frazier is going to come in here and save the day offensively. But you know what? 
30 years old. He's the guy that knows Frank Reich's offense the best, I would I would say, of anybody on that staff. He's been here the longest. 2018 is what you said, Jake. That was the start of the Reich era. I also think something to point out here is he has worked with Sam Ellinger, the closest of anybody on staff. He was promoted to assistant quarterbacks coach the year Ellinger was drafted. Another benefit of this is I think it keeps everybody in their normal game day roles offensively. You know, you aren't taking a position coach away from that group and putting them as the play caller. Frazier, again, was the assistant quarterbacks coach, pass game specialist. Um, so I am totally good with it. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I mean, see what see what the kids got. Uh, clearly, he's a mind that they respect, and Jeff Saturday has some sort of intel that he was whatever struck by in the interview or has heard from people that Parks Frazier has a really strong offensive mind. Um, I think something to note back in March when the Colts were kind of courting Matt Ryan, um, they had a Zoom with Matt Ryan, and on that Zoom was Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, Marcus Brady, and the fourth member of that, from the Colts standpoint, was Parks Frazier. So, you know, that's that's the big three plus Parks. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I mean, Scott Milanovic was the interim Jake for five games in Jacksonville, and they averaged nine points per game. I- Here's the other thing, Kevin. you got to figure, Jeff Satter's been on the job for how long? By the time you're like, I mean, I know he came in, it was a whirlwind, as, as he says, then he, he has the press conference, he's announced as the guy. What's the total time lapsed that he has been in that position 48 hours yeah yeah less than that right about noon on monday so one would assume that a decision like that sure ultimately it's his but he hasn't been around long enough to really truly assess what everybody brings to the table so that one would assume that that means that parks fraser came suggested or recommended by someone else right so you would have to trust that those that have been around it probably know what they're talking about and again, I also think when you look at it on paper, the fact that he has been with this offense the longest of anybody on staff and the Ellinger relationship plays into it. And, you know, in a way, and again, I know that Jim Mersey would disagree with this, the Colts have made so many of these moves already by going to Ellinger, by going to Jeff Saturday, and now by going to Parks Frazier, all these moves are kind of checking out of like outside the box, youth. Now, again, Jim Ursay would push back heavily on that. Also, did you catch how Ursay, you catch Ursay's comments about the quarterback position? Yes. You talking about it in the interview? Uh, yeah, with Kravitz and Chap. Where he basically said nothing is set in stone? Right. He was not pleased with Tony Dungy's comments yesterday on Dan Patrick. We'll play the Dungy audio here in a little bit. Dungy said, I thought very directly, that he believes Matt Ryan is not playing because of finances. Because some guaranteed money, if he gets back on the field and gets hurt for 2023, Ursay pushed back heavily against that. Ursay actually said that he disagreed with Reich's public comments saying that we've committed to Ellinger for the rest of the season. Ursay pushed back against that. So, um, nothing like the owner having a big press conference Monday night and then Tuesday night feeling the need to clarify things. And that's what he did last night. And again, we'll it's a good way of saying it. Discuss with Mike. Chappell really good way of up. saying it. Uh, by the way, Furman is in Greenville. Samford mm. is in Birmingham, and I always get those. Furman's two got the weird nickname. 
What are they, the furries? Oh, something purple. Those, those are mythical figures anyway, right? Furries? Paladins. <laughs> it's a whole other thing, my friend. <laughs> Didn't they have a recall on Furbies? <laughs> Mark, Mark just gave me that glance. It's too early for this. Paladins, Jake. Furman. Have gun, will travel, reads the card of a man. Wasn't Tubby Smith coaching there? Or was that High Point? I think Tubby Smith was at High Point. High Point's the one that has their own laundry service, movie theaters in the dorms. High Point, man, you live in High if you're at High Point. I don't mean it that way, but I'm saying, like, High Point's supposed to be nice. Nice school. Uh, Pacers Nuggets tonight. Our coverage begins at 6.30. Nikola Jokic. Jake, I uh, never watched Jokic in person. I'm looking forward to tonight. Are you going tonight? Yeah, taking my uh, taking my nephew. Oh, that's right. I think you told me that. That's cool. Um, I'll see you down there. I think I'm going to go as well. Yeah, the, you know, the Nuggets are... And I think the Turner performance from Monday, you know, can he string these together? The thing about Turner's performance on Monday to me that was impressive is that's there have been games where we have seen Miles Turner be able to really effectively shoot the ball from the outside. There have been other games where we have seen Miles Turner go down on the block and be a defensive guy only and get some occasional you know, second chance points. It is not, the games are rare, although they are present, where he does a little of both. And that's what he did Monday night. Like, he was very versatile. And, you know, he shot the ball well from the outside. He was active around the rim. He was active almost in like a mid-range game. I mean, he was he was probably the most active player on the floor on yeah. Monday. I think versatile is a good way to, to describe it. It's not like he scored 37 and he hit eight threes. He certainly stretched the floor, but you saw him take advantage of switches, which I think is something he has not done to the degree that you would like. In his career, he ran the floor well. And when you're playing kind of more plodding big guys, and Zion, it's unfair to call him that, but certainly Jonas Valanciunas would qualify as that. Um, I think that is exactly the type of turner that you want to see. So again, Pacers-Nuggets tonight. Uh, The Pacers looking to go above 500 for the first time since Nate Bjorkren in February 2021. Again, Purdue beats Milwaukee last night. Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. Some nice performances there for the Boilers. So you know the difference between Purdue and the Colts? Well, I'm interested to hear this. Uh, Purdue has a guard named Braden Smith who is off to a good start. Oh, jeez. <laughs> What's Boy, that was bad, Braden Smith, the other night for uh, the Colts. Yeah, I know. I know. I might be reading too much into this. Braden Smith is one of the quieter individuals, Jake, inside that locker room. You're talking about the Colts, Braden Smith. Yes, sorry. Um, do you think that contributes to like the mistakes and stunts? Like, he's so quiet that you're communicating. He's not communicating? I mean, how much of that is like I, I think- pre-snap communication? Obviously, you can't do too much because the crowd noise and all of that. But, I mean, him, Matt Pryor, and Ryan Kelly had like... 17 mistakes handling stunts in the first couple series of the game. I think that years from now, when I say years now, two years from now, do you remember the year when Paul George, David West, George Hill, Lance Stevenson, when they did the GQ shoot? Oh, yeah, sure. Heartthrob. They they got off to like a 20-2 and start, and then the, the roof just caved in. And their season just kind of went awry. And there were all kinds of theories. You know, oh, Roy Hibbert's 
girlfriend was with Paul George and all kinds of stuff was thrown out there. And then over the course of time, eventually the truth kind of came out. That always does. And you found out, well, it was really just the fact that like Lance Stevenson was kind of going rogue in some of the play calls and there was resentment over that. At some point, we're going to find out what the issue has been this year at the offensive line because they are too talented and too paid to play like this. Now, to say they're too talented, I'm not sitting here saying that they have five Hall of Fame or or, or All-Pro linemen, but they, they should not be this bad. And my suspicion would be, Kevin, that there is one of them. I don't know whether it's Ryan Kelly. I don't know whether it's Quentin Nelson. I don't know whether it's Braden Smith. I don't know whether it's just the turnstile at left tackle. I I don't know. But my suspicion is that at some point we're going to find out that one of those offensive linemen that is supposed to be like the the, the core piece, the like that. What's that game in bars with all the wood stacked up and you got to pull one out? Jenga. Jenga. Gosh, what an awful bar game. So I, I tend to agree. But my suspicion is that there is one piece in that Jenga puzzle that is just not either injured or or confidence is gone or whatever else, and it Ooh, is I think dragging. It a few more than one. That's possible. Injured, you mean, or just not playing well? Uh, both. But I think I would guess that there must be one key one, and and I don't know which one it is. I mean, Ryan Kelly would be my suspicion because he's the middle of it. But there is one that everything else is spiraling off of that. And that eventually we're going to find out that, you know, so-and-so was playing with, you know, bone spurs in their ankle or whatever else. And you go, well, that now, yeah, that makes sense. Again, despite the Jim Mercer comments last night, who he was acting like all three quarterbacks are still available for the rest of this season. Uh, that would be Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, and Matt Ryan. We did hear Jeff Saturday on Monday night say it will be Ellinger this Sunday in Las Vegas. It will be Bernard Ryman at left tackle. So even though in the short term, I think Dennis Kelly probably is your best option there, it's going to be the rookie Ryman out there at left tackle. Jake, I'm very interested to see what else Jeff Saturday does with that offensive line this week. Like, there's no way Matt Pryor is the starting right guard, right? You would assume, but I mean, if I would have told you a month ago that yeah, assuming that the twenty twenty two Colts is probably not the way to go. Right? What would you have? What would you have said if I'd have told you a month ago, like, hey, I have a crystal ball. I just looked into it, and Sam Ellinger is going to be uh, listening in his helmet to Parks Frazier, who was oh running things God. for Jeff Saturday. Imagine telling somebody on October 9th that Matt Pryor and Chris Strasser will outlast Frank Reich, Matt Ryan, Naheem Hines, and Marcus Brady. I mean, you have any issue with Jim Mercer firing Frank Reich over the phone? Just seems a little disrespectful to me. I don't know their relationship or dynamic, but I would hope, I would hope that that comes with a little bit more professionalism. Yes, but I don't know that their dynamic. Maybe that's how they do everything. I guess the question would be, do I think Frank Reich had issue with being fired over the phone? Again, Mike Chappell talked to Frank Reich yesterday, as you would expect with Frank. Very similar to Matt Ryan's benching a few weeks back. First class, handled it with, you know, tons of humility, grace, zero pot shots on the way out. Do you think Frank Reich would only come back for a head coaching gig, or do you think he'd come back for an OC gig? 
Probably head coach only. I, I don't. I mean, it depends on where it is, right? I mean, if How somebody about right there in Carolina. Yeah, would you want to be the offensive coordinator in Carolina? Oh not, no, I, I mean, said head head coach. Oh oh. Yeah, those are the two openings right now: Panthers, Colts. You and get your going. early pick in all likelihood of one of these quarterbacks coming out. Do you think Frank Reich would be a candidate for open head coaching jobs? I know he's been a head coach, but do you think he did enough where people would say, you know what, let's get on board with that? I mean, when you're talking former NFL head coaches, the record dwarfs just about anybody else. Yeah. I mean, 40, 33, and 1. I mean, if you're going to go pretty good, with, yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, honestly, Jim Caldwell's got a little bit of that on the resume. A name that I think everybody just, oh, at, but has a resume like that is Bill O'Brien. You look at Bill O'Brien's Houston tenure, he won a whole lot. Man, I'll tell you, NFL and NBA coach, there is no greater profession of turnstile tread, like retreads than that, right? Uh, we are not. And I say that as somebody who's worked like four places. <laughs> We're happy that you have plenty of tread left on your tires. <laughs> Thank you. He is Jake Quare. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton again. A really nice start to this Wednesday morning here in Indianapolis. Kevin Aquari, we've got a loaded guest lineup. Stephen Holder, 8 o'clock. We'll talk a little college basketball with Mike DeCourcy at 8.30. Uh, Mike Chapel at 9 o'clock. We'll round things out today uh, with a little Marion football. By the way, it's Bell Week. Wabash DePaul playing Heck, yeah, for a is. conference championship Wabash game. with the leading Division Three passer in the country. Hail, hail your Panthers, right? Yeah. He's a North Central problem. He is. 7-2, and two, the Little Giants, and 8-1, and one, DePaul. That That's game a great castle. Have you ever been to a Bell oh, game? Yeah. Love it. Absolutely awesome. So, sounds like some chilly weather, though, for that one on Saturday afternoon. Again, thanks for tuning in. Kevin Aquari on a Wednesday. Eat basket. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Kevin, we might as well start with a little college basketball. Let's do it. Purdue last night, 84-53 over Milwaukee. Uh, Fletcher Lure, 17 points. Brandon Newman. Brandon Newman's going to be a key player for them, 16. And then Zach Eady uh, with 12 points, but pretty impressive 17 rebounds, Kevin. Yeah, and Fletcher Lawyer, 17, like you said, the freshman from Fort Wayne. Braden Smith, seven steals in his debut. That is the point guard of the future and the present, seemingly controlling things on both ends of the floor. Here was Matt Painter last night on the two freshman guards from Indiana playing big roles. Well, it's great. You know, obviously you have, you know, good young players. It's hard to be, you know, good right away. You know, even if someone who's talented and um, there's just a big learning curve when you first start. So, and they'll have a lot of those moments. There's, there's nobody that escapes that um, in terms of just those learning moments. 
and um, but they're both you know they, they have a lot of similarities they can shoot the basketball they can pass the basketball they have a good feel for the game and so they you know they plug right in and obviously with David Jenkins out you know those guys you know had more opportunities to, to be able to play It'll be Purdue and Austin P. Let's go P. Right? Isn't that that's they, right? They, they chant uh, that's right. Friday, November eleventh. IU Bethune Cookman tomorrow night at eight thirty from Assembly Hall. Indiana's schedule gets real not long after that, right? Yes, at Xavier, it starts a week from Friday. Uh, college football playoff rankings are out. Georgia is number one, followed by Ohio State and Michigan. One would think those two could cannibalize each other out. Then TCU is fourth. Interesting teams in the way they slot right behind that. Tennessee who still has obviously some football left to play in terms of others around them, followed by Oregon, LSU with two losses, USC, Alabama with two losses, and then Clemson. Notre Dame, by the way, coming in at 20th. Okay, so Notre Dame needs two to lose to get back in the playoff picture here. <laughs> Let me crunch those numbers here. NC State. They need NC State to lose. Okay. That'd be a lot of quartiles that Notre Dame's going to have to jump through to get up into the playoffs. Um, What do we got tonight? Well, I guess let's go a little matching, actually. Ball State loses to Toledo last night, 28-21. Carson Steele, though, uh, I, I love the national attention he's getting. 198-3 touchdowns. Ball State needs a win, right, to get bowl eligible? 5-5 five and five I mean, on the that, year? Yeah, that Carson Steele, though, I mean, that guy's unbelievable. Oh, uh, all, all the way back to when he was a freshman in high school. Right. He's yeah. just never – he started running the ball, and he's never stopped. And he's yeah. got a pet alligator, which is cool. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Uh, tonight, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the Pacers and the Nuggets. Again, our coverage begins at 6.30. The Pacers are a five-and-a-half-point underdog. Sounds like Aaron Neesmith's going to give it a go. He's missed the last few games uh, due to some foot soreness. But Nikola Jokic, Miles Turner. We need to get him to the Goodfeet store. Be looking forward to that matchup. Goodfeet.com. He can go in there and get his arch supports. Aaron Neesmith. He'll be back in no time, right? He's going to have a long time NBA career. No worries. he got a lifetime warranty. We need yeah, to when his chair there. breaks, he can go to QC Kinetics. That's right. Perfect. Gosh, we have everything figured out here. That's right. Completely taken care of. We come back here on Kevin and Query. Uh, curious your guys' thoughts. Parks Frazier, the new play calling, uh, new play caller for the Colts this Sunday. Uh, we'll explain more on that front. And again, Jim Ursay dialing up Bob Kravitz and... and uh, Mike Chappell late last night to clarify some things he had to say um, from that Monday press conference. We'll explain more. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. Was he clarifying that? 18 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on what is so far an absolutely gorgeous Wednesday morning. Jay Quarry, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton. Kevin, yesterday, you know, obviously this, this news of kind of the ever-changing world of the Indianapolis Colts is going to be a topic of discussion, but it becomes even bigger when you get one of the real pillars, I think, of the franchise history over the last 20 years. If you want to talk, here's where Jim Irsay, I'm not going to say he put himself in a pickle, Kevin, but what's fascinating to me, if you want to justify the moves that you are making or give yourself credibility and benefit of the doubt over changes to your franchise by building up, pointing the finger towards, and giving yourself accolades over an era of greatness, then it has to hurt a little bit when the guy that was had his hands on the steering wheel for you during that era of greatness comes out and actually essentially questions what it is that you're doing. And again, that's not very Tony Dungy-like, but that's what he did yesterday 
on Dan Patrick. I, I thought on several occasions, disagreeing with uh, the Frank Reich move, disagreeing with what the Colts have done at quarterback. Um, I guess let's start with the Reich clip, if you don't mind, Mark. Again, this is Tony Dungy yesterday on Dan Patrick about the firing of Frank Reich in season. Colt, I would have said, hey, Jim, you've got as many wins as the Rams, the Super Bowl defending champs have. No, there's no super teams out there. Get this going. Stay with Frank. Let's see if we can win a few games here. Get back in the race. If you make the play, you already beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody's saying they're going to the Super Bowl. You already beat them. So if you get in, who knows what's going to happen. So stay with the best course of attack to get you in these playoffs. One thing that jumps out at me there, Kevin. You know, we've had Jeff Saturday on this program, obviously. You guys had him long before I was here, you know. But each time that Jeff Saturday talks about the Colts, what would he say? We, right? Even when he was working for ESPN, we. Indianapolis is a unique market because there are so many players that on either franchise that end up sticking around and living in Indy. You know, Rick DeMoling still lives here. Ryan Deem still lives here. Um, Scott Pollard still lives here. You know, I think players like being in Indianapolis and do have a connection to the franchise, probably because of the intimacy of this market versus a New York or a Chicago or an L.A. But Tony Dungy started out that by saying, as a former Colt, that right there, I'm not kidding you when I say this. I know it sounds ridiculous and like I'm grasping at straws of talking points. That has to hurt Jim Mercer a little bit to hear him refer to himself as a former Colt. Because, you know, he's a he's a horseshoe guy, right? I get it. Tony Dungy professionally has to present it that way. Yeah, I think he's just setting it up to I have connections there. No, I get so. it. I get it. But I mean but I'm telling you, to ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the masses, that's exactly what that is, and it's no more than that, even though uh, I'm mentioning it. But for Jim Ursay to hear that, I, I guarantee you we'd think, you know, no. Tony's not a former Colt. Like, once a horseshoe, always a horseshoe. And he is he is somebody that this franchise in this city has held very dearly is ours, even though, technically speaking, I think he would say he's more of a Tampa guy. But nonetheless, I think he's just being outside observation, trying to be objective there over what he's talking about. Two other Dungy clips. Um, this one, Jeff Saturday related about the interim role and just how permanent he thinks this could be. I don't think it is. I think this was a eight games. Let's see if we can okay. make something happen here. And then, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Hey, we turn it around and win six out of eight, and, you know, make the playoffs. Maybe it is. But at this point, what can we do to salvage this season? See, but here's the part of that that just you doesn't make the sense odds to you me, get then. on the Colts winning six of eight to end the year. Oh, especially when you look at their schedule. I mean, you got at Las Vegas, which is certainly doable, but then you got the Eagles. Steelers is doable. But you go to Dallas, you go to Minnesota, you got the Chargers, who are pretty darn good. You go at the Giants. I mean, there's some tough games in there. I What I keep going back to, Kevin, is if this was about just simply trying to put a little juice in the season and shake things up to make a run... 
nothing against him, but you, I mean, you, you have a guy on the sidelines that I know is aging, and I know that he's not as mobile behind an offensive line that is completely broken. There are so many inconsistencies of narrative, it drives me crazy. I, it, it's almost hard to know where to go with it. If you really are trying to win this year, you've got a quarterback on the sideline that you're paying, what, $17 million or something for the year? who is a former MVP within the league, and I know that he's not very mobile. So then if you're trying to win this year, and to do that, you've got to take the highest paid player on your roster, essentially, and put him on the sidelines because he's not mobile enough to play behind an offensive line in front of him, then you probably should be upset with the guy that was that you're paying to build that offensive line. But instead, you're telling me that guy's Michael Jordan. Which is it? There are too many inconsistencies here. Yeah. There are too many contradictions. And again, Jim Irsay tried to, I, I guess, clarify them last night with Bob Kravitz and Mike Chappell, calling both of them, saying adamant that we are not tanking. Dungy referenced yesterday that he believes a big reason why Matt Ryan is not playing is because of the finances that he is due in 2023, injury-related. Um, you have that audio, Mark? Go ahead and cue that. Matt up. Ryan, I guess it's the fact that it's contracts and we play so much then you pay this money next year if he gets hurt this much is guaranteed and so you think okay we're not going to make the playoffs so we're not going to win a super bowl so so we're not going to do that but nick Foles, I, I can't understand i love nick Foles, and i think in this situation a guy who can get rid of the ball quick who knows the the nfl landscape who has done this in the past and led teams on, on second half marches i i'm not sure why he's not playing Jake, do you find it odd at all that Dungy disagrees with Ursay on multiple levels with this move? I, I want to acknowledge Tony Dungy is, of course, close with Frank Reich. You, you, yes. you have to acknowledge that. Uh, at the same time, he's very close with Jim Ursay, very close with Jeff Saturday. Uh, do you find it odd at all that, I mean, if Dungy wanted to, he could have towed company line there and not gone, you know, to the. For, for Dungy, that is heavy disagreement with Ursa on multiple levels. You find that odd at all? I don't. And I'll tell you why. Tony Dungy Tony Dungy has a very good and lucrative career that he's very good at. To me, it's a lot like players that played for Bob Knight. I'm going to make an analogy here and I apologize. For a long time, the only player after playing in Indiana that was publicly outspoken about not not necessarily jiving with everything that, that Bob Knight, you know, went for, not necessarily being in alignment with it, not necessarily liking everything about Bob Knight, the one player that was always publicly critical of Bob Knight was Isaiah Thomas. And for a long time, Isaiah Thomas was the only player that didn't need him because Bob Knight but Isaiah Thomas was a, was a, an all NBA performer, and a lot of players were still making a name for themselves off of the fact that they had played at Indiana under Bob Knight. I get it. Tony Dungy is somebody, Kevin, that being the head coach in the Super Bowl winning quarterback or the Super Bowl winning coach, excuse me, under the Indianapolis Colts is not necessarily like the the the, the number one thing that Tony Dungy's known for. Tony Dungy is the guy that that is the Sunday night commentator. I think a lot of people still think of Tony Dungy as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks and the guy that built that Bucks defense. And a lot of people probably think that John Gruden's Super Bowl team was Tony Dungy's team. But my point being that Tony Dungy has a flexibility and a longer has more 
credibility to be more honest about what's going on. I don't mean in a vindictive way, but I just don't know that he feels necessarily the obligation to constantly be in line with the team message the way other people who have been involved with the organization would. So he's going to be more honest. And I think that he also probably, to an extent, because of the fact that he is paid as a national commentator, and he probably has somewhat of an insecurity of knowing that people are going to think that he has a bias towards two different franchises. When it comes to talking about those two franchises, he might even be overcompensatory in being the other way and countering it so that his objectivity or his credibility is in line with people but tony dungy though to his credit tony dungy's always been a guy that does what tony dungy and says what tony dungy believes in i thought that was to a little bit more of another level yesterday maybe the quantity of it more than anything um we're gonna have Stephen holder join us here in about five minutes again parks frazier that is the name of the play caller for the colts on sunday afternoon 30 years old a quarterback at murray state back in the day the racers um, he Doesn't had, that sound like a mix of different sitcoms, Parks Frazier? Like it sounds right. like a fictional character, doesn't yeah, it? A lot of Parks yeah. and Rec I saw from people yeah, yesterday. Yeah, Frazier and, you know, I mean, sure. what's uh, his middle name? Kramer? Yeah. Cosmo Kramer. <laughs> um, I'm good with this. I, You know, this is maybe a bit outlandish to even think about, but if you're Jeff Saturday, the back of your mind... You're thinking to yourself, all right, let's try and identify a young, offensive, quarterback-centric mind on the staff. Can we find the next big thing? And maybe that's Parks Frazier. And if not, whoop-de-doo, the offense already stinks. So I am totally good with it. I'm somewhat intrigued by it. Um, Because I think something we've got to keep in mind with the Head coaching position moving forward, whether it's Jeff Saturday, whether it's Jim Harbaugh, you know, Leslie Frazier, Luke Fitt, whoever is going to be the Colts head coach next season. What you do at quarterback and how you develop quarterback supersedes everything else. And Jim Mercer mentioned that last night. That was a comment he did mention. And again, we'll have Mike Chappell on a little bit later to discuss that. But he said, if there's someone next year most likely we would probably draft a quarterback. Too early to say, but there's no question that's on the Colts' radar. Those were Ursay's comments last night. Even if Sam's playing well, um, you're looking for an opportunity if there is one. So in a way, I think that is what this move potentially goes towards. Of Like, hey, if I really like Parks Frazier, and I think he's doing a nice job, and I think he can help mold a young quarterback, and if you're Jeff Saturday and you have a lot of say in the coaching staff next season, or you are, the head coach, you might want to keep Parks around. Yeah, I mean, I'm cool with it. Like, you know what I mean? He's. You made a really good point earlier, Kevin. I, you know, Sean McVay. I mean, isn't that one of them that like people are like, what? Who? What? That's the NFL craze. Can right. you find the next Sean McVay? I mean, Kevin O'Connell. This Parks Frazier is a nice looking guy. He looks kind of like Sean McVay. And did you see that Minnesota? Yeah, he, he's a great dude. Great dude. Do you find it odd at all that Frank Reich was officiating his wedding and now he's taking Frank Reich's play calling job, or is that I, I, nature of the business? The latter, buddy. Nature of the business. I mean, that was a wild story. We all have we all have jobs at some point that we have done that someone else held. That was a crazy story a few years ago. I think it was like Mother's Day weekend. He was out of town. His house got shot up. Parks Frazier, like seventy rounds in his house. And again, mistargeted. Correct. 
You want to talk about bad luck? I'd be moving. Well, yeah, I mean, bad luck on one end, but good luck you weren't home. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, Stephen Holder, next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kevin and Corey. Jake, you know the uh, Colts have made some news when Stephen Holder yesterday is making an appearance on Outside the Lines. Nice. I kind of forgot it was still a show. I, I I thought you were about to say that he made an appearance on Outkick, and I was about to think to myself, the world oh, has boy. absolutely stopped. Man. We've really started off these two uh, 7 and 8 o'clock hours with some interesting topics. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us here. We probably won't go off the Outkick comment there, Stephen. We'll focus on uh, Jim Irsay and that press conference. Um, let, let's start there. I, I did it yesterday with Bob Kravitz, and I want to kind of give you the floor, leave it pretty open-ended. Your thoughts on how everything transpired Monday evening from an Ursay ballard Saturday standpoint. Yeah, so first of all, I want to I want to just say that the only reason I know it's Wednesday is because you guys called me. <laughs> Otherwise, I have no idea what the hell day right. is. All right, so with that out of the way, uh, I, I was absolutely floored by that press conference and not in a very positive way whatsoever. Um, it, I, I think throughout the day, you as a fan, you know, watching this play out on the internet and uh, on your television, you had questions, right? Why? What are we doing? Why, why are they doing this? And I felt as though uh, just about all the way through that press conference, I still didn't have those answers. And and I, I felt a little bad at the time, but, you know, uh, Jim Mercy was asked, I think, uh, uh, you know, one of several follow-ups, you know, to, to get specific about why he made this move uh, with Jeff Saturday, and he didn't answer it. He just kept talking about how he's a great guy. I, I, honestly, no one cares, man. <laughs> I don't care he's a nice guy. I love Jeff Saturday. That is not in question. And I interrupted him, and I said, Jim, be specific, man. Why? And that was, the, the, I thought, the, the most specific answer he gave. And I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm just saying I was, I was just annoyed by the whole thing. Like, dude, you've got to answer the question. I, I love you, Jim, but you've got to answer the question. And he, he talked about leadership, and he went on and on about that. That's fine. That's a very legitimate quality that helps you be a, a, an effective head coach. But I just thought, I got the sense that Jim Irsay went into this, and I don't want to psychoanalyze him, but I got the sense he went into this thinking, this is going to be a home run. They're going to love this, and this is going to play well. And I don't think it necessarily did to the extent he expected. I thought he was surprised by that. Do you think? Okay, let me let me ask you a question here, Stephen Holder, ESPN. dot com. Do you believe that Jim Mersey felt like he had to make a move with Frank Reich? He had no other option. And Jeff Saturday was a guy that, obviously, in a midseason when a lot of guys aren't available, they could bring in from the outside. Or do you think that Jim Mercer has long tried to get Jeff Saturday in the building in some capacity and saw a window and jumped on it 
and therefore made a move that he otherwise would not have made if it were not for Jeff Saturday's availability? Right. Hard to say. I, I think that I, here's what we know. Here's what we know. Jeff Saturday and Jim Mersey have been growing closer through these conversations that, that Jim alluded to. I mean, obviously, they have a, a very long history together. So it's not like they, they just met each other and hit it off. I mean, they have a long history, many, many years, right? But that, that relationship, I, I think, has taken on sort of a, a different capacity lately or Jeff's relation to the team has taken on a different capacity when he's working as a consultant and and has the air of the owner that has been made clear to me he has had the air of the owner for quite some time and I think whatever whatever lens Jeff Saturday was seeing the team through that was being relayed to Jim Mercy because Jim Mercy wanted that information he wanted to know and I think because of that relationship, it carried a lot of weight. I have no idea what kinds of things Jeff Saturday was espousing. I, I'm not going to to speculate on that. I have no idea. Uh, but but certainly, it, it carried a lot of weight because I think people like Jeff Saturday who have a history with the organization, uh, be it Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy over the years, although they are certainly not in agreement here, but but people like that. They have always, their, their thoughts have always carried a lot of weight with Jim Ursay. So, I, I don't know. It just, it feels as though Jim Ursay started to see just Saturday in a different light. I mean, yes, they've talked to him about positions with the team before. Uh, working as an offensive line coach is a much different proposition. That, that's, that has nothing to do with what he's doing now. This is a totally different proposition here. So, I don't know how to answer the question. All I'm saying is that, he clearly has, they've clearly had a lot of high-level conversations, and Jim Mercy was disenchanted with his team, and so whatever he heard made him think this could work. Stephen, the other thing, I, I was saying to Kevin earlier, I, the thing that's frustrating to me about all of this is there are all kinds of inconsistencies. There are all kinds of contradictions yeah. in narrative, and, you know, I mean, we're not tanking. This is BS for anybody to say we're tanking. I'm paraphrasing Jim Irsay in, in in interviews that he did. If that's the case, then shouldn't we be like really concerned that bringing out a third-string quarterback and, and making a coaching change in the middle of the year to a guy who has never been an assistant or a head coach is deemed to be the best effort that they can do? Yes. <laughs> Look, there are still people in that building who think that Playing Sam Ellinger is crazy. Okay, I'm I'm telling you what I know. Okay, and this is not about the quarterback. We're, we're past that. But I'm just making the point to uh, to your question. It it doesn't. They're not calling it a tanking effort, and and I don't know that Jim Irsay in his heart of hearts thinks he's tanking. That's the thing here. I I kind of believe him. I really don't know that he thinks he's tanking, and because. What we know of Jim Irsay is, although there was clearly a tank job in 2011, this guy, he's a dreamer. He, he says it all the time, and we have years and years of evidence of it. He, he sees something in this situation that maybe others do not. So I, I don't completely laugh off his statement when he says, we're not taking. He might actually believe it. He does. Yeah, I really think that. 
I, I don't. I'm I'm getting so much feedback from fans. Well, obviously they're tanking. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. Jim Merce, they don't agree with you, man. He doesn't agree. I, I I really wholeheartedly believe he thinks they're going for it. And like Jeff Saturday is not some mascot. He thinks they're going to go and turn this thing around. I think he really believes that. Steven, again, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. What do you think Chris Ballard is thinking? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, look, I, I'll say this. I, I don't think Chris Ballard went to the mat for Frank Reich. I'm not going to say, say that, right? And, and nor sh- should he have. I, I mean, we saw it. It was, it was inevitable, okay? I think we all agreed at some point it was inevitable. It was a question of whether he was going to make it to the season. And, and Sunday was just, that was a low point. That, I, I wrote it in my story. That was rock bottom. So, I don't think there was a lot of disagreement there. I mean, just reading the situation and from conversations I've had, I don't think Chris Ballard necessarily had a lot of disagreement there. Okay? Now, that has nothing to do with whether he agrees with uh, the hiring of just Saturday. Look, I mean, he was asked very directly. I I think it might have been you, Kevin. He was asked very directly, "Are, are you in lockstep with this? And, and what was the conversation like when, when Jim Ursay came to him and said, we want to make the move for Jeff Saturday? His answer was not, you know what, let's go, let's do it. His answer was, well, we had a very spirited conversation. And I've heard that from Chris Ballard before. I've heard it when he's talked about him and Frank Reich not being on the same page about an issue. That's his way of saying we had to work it out. We had to talk it out because we were not on the same page. Okay, here he is in front of Jim, in front of Jeff Saturday, and mind you, okay, in front of Jeff Saturday, giving zero endorsement to the move. Okay, zero endorsement, and maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe I am. I will fully and readily admit that. But here's his new head coach, for better or worse, and he has an opportunity to say, "Look, you know what? I believe in him. He's a he's our guy." He said none of that, none of that. Okay, so. Take that for what it's worth. I think it's worth a lot. Steven, I want to. I'm going to ask you to put yourself in Jim Irsay's mind, which I know is incredibly unfair. But um, if you don't mind, hey man, I'm only halfway through this cup of coffee. <laughs> that, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you might need to add a little something there. Um, how do you think Jim Irsay views Jeff Saturday in 2023? Do you think he honestly mm-hmm. thinks he's going to be the head coach? the GM or close friend that continues to show up the ring of honor ceremonies and bangs the anvil. Hmm. I mean, it's a tough one. Obviously I, I, I really, I go back to what I said a minute ago about, about him not thinking this is a tank job and, and thinking they have the potential to, to reverse their fortunes. I think there's a similar outlook on just Saturday personally. Like I, I think Saturday is here next year in some capacity, unless he doesn't yeah. want to be here. I think so. Oh, I, I, I very much think so. Look, he couldn't get Peyton Manning, right? We know that, but he loves him some former Colts. Okay, he loves him some former Colts, and this particular former Colt has been well positioned uh, to to really burnish his reputation with the owner. And I'm not saying that's what Just Saturday was trying to do, man. He don't strike me as that kind of guy. I'm not saying that. Nobody, this is not some kind of deal where he was 
trying to gain favor or any of that. I am, no one said that. I have no I have no information about that. I am not saying that. I'm just saying by virtue of being close to the owner, talking to the owner, and being asked of the owner for his posi- for his opinion, um, it, it puts him in a different light with Jamerse. That is what has happened here. Uh, I mean, because there's no other way for a guy to go from great player, clearly, six-time Pro Bowler, but there's no way for a guy to go from analyst seat at ESPN to the corner office at 56th Street. There's no other way to do it unless the owner just has just a, an incredible opinion of you that may or may not be warranted. So, Stephen, uh, I'll put it this point blank. Jim Mersey has always said or insinuated, uh, you know, in various ways he has delivered the message that he has tried very hard to avoid being his father in terms of the level of interference that he has with the people that he hires to run the football team that he owns. Jim Mersey's the owner. He can do absolutely without question whatever in the heck he wants, as often as he wants. He has that right. But if he doesn't want to interfere with the operations of his football team to the point of detriment, has he crossed that line? I think that he, I think this is the closest he has come to being his father. And I, I don't even mean just Monday. I'm just mean, I mean recently. Uh, well, we, we could even go back to the Carson Wentz fallout. Now, this is not me saying that they made a mistake on Carson Wentz. I didn't have a problem with, with trading Carson Wentz. I'm talking about the way it was handled. Okay? People in that organization throughout the Carson Wentz saga were just beating themselves over the heads with the fact that you know, this, he's killing us in our trade value here. <laughs> you know, the things that were said publicly or privately that were clearly coming from the owner, they undercut the trade value. By some miracle, Chris Ballard should probably be executive of the year for pulling off that trade. I mean, despite all the other ridiculous moves that have gotten them in, in this mess, <laughs> that is that's one hell of a deal. I would put that at the top of my resume. I got two picks for Carson Wentz after he completely crashed and burned, and the owner tanked our trade value, right? So my point is, I really think this is the closest he's come to being like his father. And it's not a compliment, man. I mean, you know, may he rest in peace, but like, he's, as you just said, Jamerse has gone out of his way to, and been over backwards, to not be his father. And again, this is the closest he's come. Look, the, the quarterback situation, as I said, uh, he, he's kind of telling a different version of the story that I've heard, okay, you know, in the subsequent interviews that he's doing so that's one thing and then the way this frank reich situation was handled fired over the phone uh, i think just the fact that i was hearing rumblings monday morning um as i'm boarding my plane in new england before frank reich had any idea this was coming you know that shouldn't happen you know why why did i know that i was texting people in the organization who were like yeah i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) So, and, and sure enough, it happened two hours later. So my point is, I, I, it just felt messy. It felt sloppy. And that's not the mark of a classy organization. Do things the right way. And if you hired people to run your organization, granted, they can screw up. But that doesn't mean you completely take the wheel and just and, and turn into and turn it into a solo show. I mean, no good football team is run by one man. 
Stephen, you went on Peter King. Again, Stephen Holder is with us here on the Pale Slickers Hotline. You went on Peter King's podcast yesterday, and it, it got me thinking uh, back to an Ursic quote. This was Daniel Snyder-related a few weeks back that he said to Peter King. Um, he said to Peter King, two things destroy great institutions, being emotional and rationalization. Is this move emotional for Merce? It feels like it. It does. It really feels like it. Because, think about it. What would, let's put it this way, okay. The the people who like this move, and they have, look, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Just Saturday may win a Super Bowl. I don't know. I hope he does. I want to be there for that story. But whatever. The people who right now are gung-ho about this, fans, whoever, or Jim Mercer himself, what are they basing that on? They're basing that on the fact that they love Jeff Saturday. <laughs> but they love him in a totally different capacity. So what I'm saying is, and what I mean by that is, they love him as a player because that's, that's all they know of him. And he's a great guy. And know nothing about him as a coach. So it, it's like every time there, these coaching searches happen, I always hear from fans, oh, we should hire Peyton, we should hire this guy. Like, none of, all of that's based on emotion. None of that's based on logic and, and thinking things through and, and, and sort of asking yourself, okay, well, why this person or that person? Not because you had their football card when you were a kid, man. That ain't a good reason. So does it, is it emotional? I don't know. You know, again, we're trying to psychoanalyze Jim Irsay, but it feels like it. That's what I'd say. Steven, Jeff Saturday's a wonderful guy. I, I, I don't think anybody disputes 100%. that. Wonderful guy. Do you think that there are people inside the building that work under that now will work underneath him that question or resented him giving the, being given an opportunity when other guys were in that building? I'm not going to say resent because I, I don't I don't know that, but but certainly there are people in the building who will work underneath Jeff Saturday who right now are like, what the hell are we doing? One hundred percent. 100%. And there's even more that I can't talk about because I'm trying to pin down, but it's messed. How much on a 1 to 10 scale, 10 being the most, 1 being the absolute least, how much say and influence did Chris Ballard have on these moves? I can only speculate. Let me be clear. I can only speculate. Um, but one thing I always tell people I'm sorry for the long answer, but one thing I always tell people is that as, as reporters, and, and you know this, you, both of you guys know this, you know, you're around these individuals every day. I, we talk to them, and I know I talk to Chris Ballard constantly, you know, and outside of the, the interview realm environment, right? So, so what you guys, what people, what the public sees in that interview environment, that's like, like 1% of it, right? So my point is, you really understand these people, and you, you kind of learn to read them. So this is what, but this is why I say I'm speculating because you know, look, he hadn't said this verbatim, but I can read Chris Ballard, all right, and all, and, and even though he got snippy at one point, I think that was directed to KB <laughs> about the, the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but even though he got snippy there, for the most part, his tail was between his legs in that press conference. That ain't Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard is a bold South Texan, loud talker who's very confident, not in a, in a jerk kind of way for the most part, but definitely confident. I didn't see any of that except from that one instance 
which was weird, but whatever. You didn't see any of that. And I'm just telling you, I, I think it matters a lot because you can read people. I mean, the, the people you work with in your in your office, right, as a, as a listener out there, you know how to read body language. You know how to deal with those people. You know when something's up. It's the same thing here, man. And maybe that's unscientific. It is, certainly. That's well, I, I, I looked at it, Stephen, I looked at his body language, Chris Ballard's, and I looked at the way he was, like, his defensive nature, and I looked at it as a guy that I was wondering if, okay, does this guy, is he going to be here next year? But it looked to me like Chris Ballard was sitting there asking himself that exact same question. Am I too well, Freudian? Be. Yeah, he, he, I, I think he should be. Because whether whether it's because Jim Mercy changes his mind, he, all right, Jim Mercy is giving him the kiss of death right now, right? Like, oh, yeah, he's, he's my guy. Whatever. It, whether he should be thinking about his future because whether it's because you maybe don't trust the owner's word and, and because things do change, right? I mean, you got a new interim coach. There are going to be changes, okay? Chris Ballard knows that. He's not stupid. So could he be among those changes? Of course. So that's one bucket. The other bucket is if things, if he's lost control of the situation, if, okay, if, if he doesn't have control of the situation anymore, well, KB and I talked about this the other night. Well, he's got a good enough resume that he may say I'm out. I don't know that, and that's very, 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 very speculative. Yeah. Okay. Same. But, but he could do that. He could do that and and land on his feet just fine. Yeah, I would think the only reason why you would hold on is from a financial standpoint, make Jim Mersey fire you and get the money that you know Frank Reich is now getting. We um, all have our price. <laughs> sure, sure, Stephen. I know a lot of this is maybe not the most concrete and direct stuff, so I appreciate you entertaining some of these questions with us. And yes, indeed, it is Wednesday, and. We will see you at a Jeff Saturday Wednesday press conference as the Colts get back on the practice field here at noon. All right, guys. Buckle up. Interesting day. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. A couple things just to point out um, for those that have just joining us. Jim Irsay late last night contacted Bob Kravitz and Mike Chappell to clarify some statements that he made Monday night during the press conference or maybe address some of the narratives out there, a few of them. Uh, he was adamant that they are not tanking, that these moves are zero signs of that. Um, he was also pretty staunch in saying that Sam Ellinger naming him the quarterback for the rest of the season is not something that he wanted or agreed with. He has all three quarterbacks on the table um, for the rest of the year. And then lastly, something we have not yet mentioned, Jake, he was pretty pretty like staunch and saying the offensive line personnel is good enough we have the right guys there it's up to the head coach to figure that out thinks Jeff Saturday will obviously have influence there so to the ingredients versus meal debate between Ballard and Reich clearly he sides with Chris Ballard in that one and saying we've got the right offensive line guys the previous staff or the current staff everyone describe it was not getting it done Ballard better hope Jeff Saturday's got the magic formula, right? In terms of the O-line. Right. You know, interesting because when we had Jeff Saturday on on Monday and we asked him about the O-line, I mean, he went really in detail. Do you I remember that? easily the most in-depth he's been all Correct. year with the O-line on us. It was like, wow, maybe he studied this before, right? Yes. 
I think to myself, did you only watch this game? You know, usually he's watching a handful of games because he's got to talk about them on ESPN. I, I, I remember thinking that afterwards. I was like, wow, he got super in-depth. I actually, funny enough, I was going to write an article off of Saturday's offensive line comments. I thought, wow, this is really good stuff, really detailed. And then, sure enough, he's like, eh, hold my beer. Uh, we'll talk some college basketball with Mike DeCourcy coming up in about five minutes again. Mike Chappell, who was on that Ursay call late last night, um, we'll get Chappell's thoughts on that. He joins us in the 9 o'clock hour. Let's hit a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake Purdue got their season underway. Matt Painter's bunch last night roll over Milwaukee. Uh, what was it, 84-53? Was that the final score? That is correct. Uh, the freshmen play pretty well. Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith. Braden Smith, seven steals for him in his debut. Fletcher Lawyer was 17. Zach Eady, 12-17. and 17. You brought up Brandon Newman earlier, 16 off the bench. I thought last year he could be a big X factor for them. With Jaden Ivey gone, you need Newman to be a consistent scorer. He can create his own shot. Um, that's a guy that I think is really important for Purdue. Um, you know, whatever, being a consistent top 25 team, potentially a second weekend NCAA tournament team, whatever expectations you want to throw out. I, I think they know, you know, Purdue fans know that Brandon Newman's going to be a critical piece for them this year. And, and you know, the other piece that they're obviously going to get good play from is Zach Eady, who had 17 boards last night, which any... <laughs> 17 boards impressive, man, to go along with 12 points. Austin P for the Boilers on Friday. IU's got Bethune-Cookman coming up at 8.30 tomorrow night. Uh, college football playoff rankings are out for the second week. Georgia now number one, overtaking Tennessee, who, of course, they beat over the weekend. Ohio State and Michigan, two and three. TCU is now in the mix. They have been invited to the party. They have to stay there, though. They are undefeated and fourth in the college football polls. The rest of the top 10, Tennessee, Oregon, LSU, USC, Alabama, and Clemson. thing that's interesting about all of it, Kevin, is Notre Dame, by the way, is 20th. A lot of teams right there in that mix that are all going to kind of cannibalize each other that have each other remaining on the schedule. So still a lot to be determined. Georgia, Ohio State, let's say they're in. Give me the two other teams that will round out the playoff here in a month. I think if Michigan is – if Michigan hangs tight – with Ohio State, then both of them get in. Ooh. And if TCU stubs their toe at any point, then and Tennessee holds serve, Tennessee gets in as the fourth one. So that means you would have... Two Big Ten, two SEC. And two from the same division, right? SEC East and Big Ten East? That's never yeah. happened. Yeah, That would be interesting. Michigan and Tennessee not I mean, playing if Ohio State, conference If Ohio State Michigan game. go into their game against each other 2-3 and it's a 31-28 game, I, you know... Which would be much different... From what Georgia Tennessee was correct last week again Oregon LSU USC Bam and Clemson as Jake said rounds out Clemson and Notre Dame play each other in the Sugar Bowl. No idea. No, I don't. I don't want that at all. Orange no. Bowl maybe. Why? Well, if we got another remix to the fight song, maybe that would be a good. thing. You didn't want. You wouldn't want to face Clemson again after that. Already, already stomped him. We want Bama <laughs> okay, at this point. Okay. Uh, Pacers Nuggets tonight, 7 o'clock. Nikola Jokic, the MVP, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, they are favored, Denver. They're 7-3 on the year. They're favored by 5.5. Um, I think this will be a fun matchup for Turner. See how he responds for Monday night. You know, seemingly, performances like Monday, again, 37 points, outstanding. But he has something like that You know, once every, whatever, 10 games. I think it's consistency, stringing some things together. Obviously, you're not expecting 37-12 and 12 from him. 
But in these sorts of matchups, you're going to be an 18 and 9 guy and Jokic not go right. off. Well, and I, again, you know, a lot of times Turner's problem with guys like Jokic is that he tries to go down and bang too low. I, what he did the other night was a really good mix of being on the outside and then being active around the rim at times as well. So they're going to need that versatility from him again tonight. And the Colts have their first practice of the week. Mark is late on the swoosh there. Were you sleeping, Mark? Did no, we wake I, you up? I thought we were going to break because we have DeCourcy coming up. <laughs> well, tonight. you knew we were queuing up did the Colts, we, so did, slow starts. Did we wake you up, Mark? No. Uh, first okay. practice of the week. Jake, something that we have not mentioned, and rightfully so, I guess, all week long. Uh, is Jonathan Taylor going to play this week? Boy, good question. Is Jeff, Matt Ryan? The we new know that Jeff Saturday loves him, right? Remember when I said? Remember when I asked Jeff Saturday if Jonathan Taylor was like a, a guy that they could get away with using other players at that position? He's like, yeah, he no, nah, like man. That He's question. like, that's an F. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he graded you very critically with that. Um, again, there are some personnel questions. That what else does Saturday do? Does he make changes on the offensive line? Again, what do you do with Taylor? Um, is Matt Ryan or Nick Foles going to be the backup? Uh, there's a lot of actual game stuff relevant to Sunday with the Raiders that I am curious about. So we'll hear from Jeff Saturday at noon today, his first press conference as the head coach of the Colts in terms of a game week. But when we come back, Mike DeCourcy, talk a little college basketball with him next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Jake, obviously we're going to talk some college basketball with our next guest, Mike DeCourcy, but... You know, he is a big-time Pittsburgh Steelers He's the one guy that's got November 28th circled on the calendar, buddy. He does. The terrible towel is being washed and dried daily thinking about that game inside of Lucas Oil Stadium coming up Monday Night Football. Uh, Mike, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you would be opposed to a Frank Reich appearance in Pittsburgh sometime soon, potentially as offensive coordinator. Am I wrong on that? No, I, yeah, I, I, there were, there were some, uh, in my friend group, uh, of Steelers fans who were like, just bring him in tomorrow, you know? And I'm like, oh, I think you can interview some people and see if that's the right choice. And, but I, I highly respect him as a football coach. I, I think he would be a terrific addition to their staff. Someone with his experience would certainly be helpful, but they have to make sure that it's the right mix for the, for the people that they have, uh, uh, especially, you know their their rookie quarterback. Uh, they they have to make sure that Kenny Pickett w- would work well with whoever they choose to hire. It, it, presuming that they make the move that's almost if it were on if it were on the ballot yesterday, it would have been like a hundred to zero <laughs> in Pittsburgh that they make a change at offensive coordinator. And that's Matt Canada, right? Did he used to be at IU? That is Matt Canada. Matt Canada. Yeah, I, you know, I I I, I was always mystified by what it was that qualified him to be an NFL offensive coordinator. I mean, if you look at his resume, uh, his, he, he's been an OC for, he, I think he was for NC State for a couple of years, for Pitt for a couple of years, and for LSU and Maryland, and maybe had overwhelming success at one of those stops, didn't last long at LSU at all, 
uh, only one year, and you think, what in this resume says this guy has to be running the Pittsburgh Steelers offense? It just didn't make sense to me. It didn't add up, and it's not certainly not adding up on the field. I think it's now ballpark, 16-game stretch where in which they had scored one first-quarter touchdown. That's, that's encompassing at least three and maybe four different quarterbacks. So uh, there, there's that old saying, it's not me, it's you. Well, it's not, the, it's not them, it's him. Mike, in terms of college basketball, by the way, I grew up a huge Steelers fan too. I think I've told you that. Um, First one to 10, I think, will be in that Monday Night Football game. Yeah, I mean, no, no kidding, man. <laughs> that game's literally the, the Corsi and then like the city of Indianapolis. Well, of course, he's in Indy. Uh, the, that's the viewership for that game probably on that night. But in terms of college basketball, we'll begin with Indiana-Purdue, Mike. Of those two teams, which one do you feel like we – we know the most about who they can be this year. Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, I, I, and I think the answer is really who they can be. I think we know the most about Indiana because uh, uh, they have such a large number of significant players back. And so we know who they've been and we know who they've been on their best days. So that's how you know who they can be. But I don't know who they will be until they start playing more competitive games. And we see whether or not what they need to be holds up over the course of four and a half months. I've said on many occasions that the number one key to this Indiana team, even over over and above the need to be a better perimeter shooting team, is for Xavier Johnson to be solid on and off the floor through the course of the entire season. So we started the season on Monday, uh, and if everything went well, uh, let's say April, I don't remember the exact dates, but let's say April 7th, if he's rock solid from now until then, they can do very well. He's a very gifted player. He can shoot the basketball. He can get to the lane. He can make all the passes you need him to make and some that others don't see. Uh, But he's got to be all in for helping Indiana win from Monday until that season ends. And obviously the, the, the dream for IU would be that that season would end into April. He's Mike DeCourcy. You see him on Big Ten Network, writes for Sporting News, college basketball analyst. I want to stick with IU for just a second. Um, I remember a few weeks back you wrote a great piece, you know, kind of featuring Trace Jackson Davis and, you know, what this season means to him. And I think I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but – Trace had a quote in there of, you know, I, I don't want to be a great player on mediocre teams. I um, thought that was yep. pretty good perspective from Trace, and just curious your uh, general thoughts on uh, that conversation with him. Yeah, I love that quote because I don't, I don't believe in false modesty. Uh, if you're good at what you do, it's, there's nothing wrong with saying you're good at what you do. A lot of people try to pretend that's a bad thing. For Trace Jackson Davis, who's been an All-America level player twice in three years, to say, oh, I'm just okay, is silly. So he knows that he's really good. But he also is being honest about what his really good has added up to, which hasn't been a lot. Uh, They probably would have been an 11 seed if there had been a 2020 tournament. Ballpark 11-12. His sophomore year, 21, they didn't even make it. And then last year, they're one of the last four teams in. That's not what IU wants or believes it should be, and that's certainly not what he thinks he's capable of. And so this year it means a ton to him. And I think we'll see. 
you know, I talked about that that solidity we need to see from Xavier Johnson. I think that it, it, I think Trace is the kind of player that can command the respect to make sure that everybody is pulling in the right direction, in the same direction toward IU success. Now that I, that that has to come to fruition, and it may you know it may not ever be needed. I mean, maybe his leadership will only be needed on a tough night where they're kind of tired or whatever, and he tries to pull them through. Maybe he doesn't have to. Uh, to keep them away from circumstances like uh, Northwestern last year on the road. Uh, maybe that doesn't even ever come up. That That's IU's best-case scenario, that circumstances like that don't happen again and that they just are all out there to win. Uh, but if they have anybody who sort of wanders away, I think Trace is the kind of player, kind of person, who can can get those players back pulling in the right direction. Mike, moving up to West Lafayette again. Mike DeCourcy, uh, Sporting News, Big Ten Network, joining us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. I was texting with a buddy of mine who's a huge Purdue fan, was at the game last night, and you know, was basically saying like the Braden Smith box score doesn't tell the full story of just how much he controlled things on both ends of the floor. Purdue has had so much, and Jaden Ivey and Carson Edwards, you know, incredible talents and obviously the front court history speaks for itself under Matt Painter but it seems like that that lead point guard that guy that can control things we see it in March all the time it feels like that's been a missing ingredient for Purdue and Braden Smith could provide that for them for several years yeah that's that's not been a strength of the Purdue programs uh, uh, under under Matt recently uh, over the last half decade or so the point guard position. Uh, no, I mean that sounds silly when you had someone like Jaden, who was an all first team All American and a top five pick. But Jaden didn't get a ton of experience running the point. He, he only took it over last year when it was clear that that the other two players who were at that spot weren't going to be championship level. So he takes that over, and it's it's you know he's really he, I think he's a natural NBA point guard, but not as much. So a college point guard, he was more uh, better suited to creating for himself and then secondarily, if he got covered, to dumping the ball off to an opponent. But he was, he was a scoring guard first, and that, that, that's not an insult. I mean, he was a superstar. But having someone who, who like Braden Smith, can run the team, and that's what he's there to do, and to make sure that the ball goes where it's supposed to go on both ends of the floor, uh, and that's, I think that's an advantage that the best teams have. And, that, and it's something that was missing before. But when I asked Matt at Big Ten Media Day uh, about a month ago uh, what he thought of his point guard situation, he was really enthusiastic about what Braden could be. And so I, 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 he, doesn't, he doesn't mess around uh, with in, in those environments. When, when you ask him a question, he's pretty honest. Uh, about what he thinks and what he believes his team's capable of. If he thought that point guard was going to be a problem again, he'd have, he'd have acknowledged it. He's really excited about what Braden can do. And, and last night, all, the numbers weren't overwhelming, uh, but that you know, that's not really what matters. What matters is how did it get controlled. And that team was they, – they, they, the ball got to where it needed to go last night. Mike, does, does Matt Painter – lean in on Zach Eady and become a down-low-based offensive team this year? Or does he allow that guard play to develop to give himself the offensive versatility that we've seen out of Purdue in years past? Well, Jake, I think if you have somebody like Zach out there, 
you you ha- it, it doesn't make sense to not take advantage of the of, of what you have there. It's he's nearly impossible to guard. Uh, you almost ha- you almost have to foul him and hope they don't call it in order to defend him. And that's what happened last year in the in the St. Peter's game where uh, he he was hit relentlessly and um, and got almost no calls. Whereas in the Texas game of three four days earlier, when he was hit relentlessly, they got the calls and were able to advance. So I think you have to take advantage of what he offers you. But anytime you throw the ball inside, if he draws a double team, that opens up something on the perimeter, whether it's for Brandon Newman or Fletcher Lawyer uh, or a dump down across the lane to Trey Kaufman-Wren or Caleb First, whoever's out there with him, Mason Gillis. He's, there's, just, there's a lot of options that become available. And when you're as tall as Zach is and when you have as much skill with the ball as he has, that's all available to you. So it, as long as he's on the floor, it only makes sense to run inside first. But that doesn't mean the ball has to stay there. It really is fascinating to me, Mike, because I think that in my mind, I think because you lost a player that was a lottery pick in the NBA that was so dynamic in Jaden Ivey, I think to myself, well, Purdue is in rebuild mode. And then I'm like, you know what, though? They're not. I mean, they've got... They have the talent. I, I don't know if you'd say they're in reload mode, but the drop-off is not going to be huge for Purdue. Especially I, in the front court. Yeah, I mean, correct? I'm, I mean, am I right in saying that? I, absolutely. Uh, I've never believed this is a rebuild. Uh, I, I, in, in a lot of ways, last year, I thought they had too much talent. I, 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 think, I think that's fair, yeah. Play, yeah, I think it's hard to play in college basketball with 10 A players. Uh, it, I just, you know, you had an A-plus player in, 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 in Jaden, and then you had maybe, let's say, an A-minus player last season in Mason Gillis. So, but they were all A players, and, and it's, hard to, it's hard to do that. Uh, it, it's hard to, to, to keep all of them in, in, in the right circumstance, and I think you get habitual with how you play. Uh, you, well, you know, it, we have two, two, two groups, and so if this guy gets in trouble, I know exactly what to go through. And, and when they got into the circumstance with St. Peter's uh, and it was a little bit different, uh, they, they just they felt like, okay, what, we're gonna, what we do is going to be the answer. And I think when you have a more normal rotation where you basically have seven, eight, eight-and-a-half players that you're rotating, uh, then you can be a little bit freer with how you play. And so I think that this team is, in a lot of ways, I mean, you'd much rather have a superstar like Jaden on your team, but in a lot of ways is built better for success than last year's. Now, in order for that to work, though, you have to have Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer be really good. Uh, And Braden last night was terrific, and, and Fletcher was even better than that. Yeah, I, um, I'm a huge Notre Dame basketball fan, and as times it kind of makes me a little mad that Mike Bray doesn't go deeper. He often has the phrase of, you try keeping more than seven guys happy with playing time, <laughs> and it's worked for the Bray era. I'll end with this one, Mike. Um, Thad Mata, it's an interesting makeup of Butler's roster. He brought back like really key guys that flirted with the transfer portal, and then they did dip into the portal and added some uh, different types of bodies than I think Butler's had in recent years. What do you think year one expectations are over there at uh, 46th Street? I think it starts with just being better. And it, I, I don't think that you, you have to set necessarily numerical goals for them, uh, tournament, whatever. I think that the, it, it starts with being better than they were a year ago. 
And I thought that last year the biggest problem was simply there just wasn't enough ability there. It just wasn't a talented enough team. Uh, I, I do think that they're, uh, you know, you look at somebody like Lacocious, though, I think he is a player that has the potential to, to, to move forward after a solid freshman year. I think he can be someone, you know, that flirts with third team all league or something like that. And uh, I, the, the new players add some depth and add some talent. And, uh, you know, I think that is one of the great coaches. Uh, I, when he uh, left Ohio State in June of 2017, I said, this is a true story. I sat down and wanted to figure out, like, what was he averaging per year in terms of wins? And I did the math, and it said 29 wins a year. And I'm like, oh, no, that can't be right. I must, you know, I'm, I'm terrible at math. Right. I must have put the, you know, and I did it again, and it's 29. And five years later, it's still 29. He is, that, that, that was Hall of Fame track. Uh, before you know his health uh, took a toll on him, and and it and it was most prudent to step away. Uh, so if he's got the energy, and he's and all evidence uh, says he does, Butler's getting one of the great coaches in college basketball. So it's it's going to be moving forward. It's just a question of how fast and how far. Jake, that means Thad Motto would be in what the upper quartile of upper quartile. Of the upper. Of the upper. Which is rare air. Yeah, very rare air. Butler wants to hang a banner for that. Uh, Mike, good luck to your Steelers here in a few weeks. Um, Again, the first one to ten. It it might honestly be just one T.J. Watt strip sack. We'll probably change the game as it looks like (laughs) T.J. Watt is uh, nearing a return. Uh, Really looking forward to having you on more during the college basketball season. Thank you. Kevin, Jake, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Mike it, Mike. DeCourcy, Sporting News and Big Ten Network. Again, Jim Mercer gave a late-night phone call to Bob Kravitz and Mike Chappell last night. Chap joins us in 10 minutes. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Nine o'clock hour underway here on a Wednesday. And joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, we go from the Dean of College Basketball, Mike DeCourcy, as I've always called it, to the Dean of Writers covering the Indianapolis Colts, Mike Chappell joining us. And, Chap, my understanding is, Kevin has presented it this way, you tell me if this is accurate. Basically, uh, Tony Dungy went on Dan Patrick's show, Tony Dungy said some things that Jim Irsay kind of rubbed him the wrong way, and so Jim Irsay picked up the phone and said, I'm going to call the guy that I need to clear the air to, and that was Mike Chappell, along with Bob Kravitz, and you had a conversation <laughs> with Irsay yesterday. Pretty fair how that all went down? Well, you're not as dumb as they say you are, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Chapp hasn't been up for very long, but man, he's swinging this morning. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I... He, he just wanted, yeah, he, he, he's, he's really taken umbrage to the fact that they're not playing Ryan to save potentially $17 million. And and that only, I, I, I've quit really paying attention to contracts much because they get complicated and all this, but it, it all comes down to if Ryan would suffer a major injury and he can't pass the physical in March, 
those guarantees become, or those bonuses, not bonuses, but part of the contract become guaranteed. That's part of any contract. It's not like it's special to his. But then he also said that, you know, we're going to need all three quarterbacks the rest of the season, and this is up to Jeff. And so, but yeah, that that was the 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 button that was pushed that that prompted the the call. I thought, chap, and you tell me if I read this wrong. I thought Ursay kind of contradicted himself because on one hand he said that is absolutely Tony Dungy. For those that are unfamiliar, Tony Dungy had had reinforced that notion that perhaps part of the reason Matt Ryan wasn't playing was because there was something in his contract that he would be automatically given money towards next year if he had an injury, you know, and, and he and he wasn't able to play and that that would kick in guaranteed money. And Jim Irsay took exception to that and said that's absolutely untrue, that's BS, there's nothing like that. But then later, am I correct, Mike, in saying that he, he then said, well, every contract has stuff like that. Right. Right. The, the, initially, I think it was kind of lost in translation where people, because, you know, somebody said, it's, it's like in, in in grade school when you it's that old tell a, tell a secret thing and by the time it gets to the end, it's different. He it, It's been sort of reported, and I've not seen it, so I don't want to put it out there too much, but that it, it's tied to playtime. If he plays X, X number of games more, that's not it. it it's all the, it, it, it's the injury factor. If he finishes, if he comes back, finishes the year, and he's fine, then in all likelihood, they're going to cut him before March seventeenth, and and he gets twelve million of his guaranteed salary for next year, and the seventeen million goes away. But if there is an injury and, and he can't pass the physical, then then those guarantees, or then that that extra money becomes guaranteed. So it's tied to injury, not playtime. So, I mean, can the team try to protect itself from that by not playing him? Of course. But you can do that with any player. Now, you're talking he's not any player because it's $17 million. So, yeah, it's 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 how you want to look at it, but I want to see if they play him again. I mean, I, I was always under the impression that the only way that Matt Ryan plays again is if Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles get hurt, but we'll see. Okay, Mike Chappell's with us, CBS4, Fox 59, his latest from Jim Ursay last night. Um, Ursay felt the need to clarify some things, address some narratives potentially out there. Um, so, again, that is Chapp's latest. Um, on that note, uh, I guess what else kind of stood out to you from last night's conversation? He was sounded pretty adamant that they have the right offensive line personnel. It's up to the head coach to figure that out. Um, and he also seemed very open to drafting a quarterback next year, even if Sam Ellinger plays well. Yeah, but he started that. I didn't use that part because it was he called late, and you know, at some point I'm done with the day. It's just you know, I, I had a chance. <laughs> I my day was filled up with my day was filled up with talking with with Frank and getting his side on this. But you got Ball State he, on to watch. I, and I was, I, and boy, they just couldn't bring it home. So you know, half a chirp, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, yeah, he, he now what he said initially, he says, well, we got to see where, where we are with Sam, because Bob asked the question. Well, we'll see about how Sam does and all this, and he really likes Sam. He, he really likes Sam Ellinger, but they want to see what they've got. But he, he, he finally came around to where, you know, it's it, it's if, if something's there, we certainly have to look at it, and we probably will look at it. Well, they have to look at it. I mean, e- even if Sam looks like he's, you know, part of your future as, as 
worst case, a quality backup, which I think maybe what he is. You still have to. And and goodness, right now they're 14th in the draft order. What makes anyone think they're not going to move up? You know, I, I look at that schedule and I see, I don't know what. Because they're not win. tanking, chap. They're in to win. Well, you know, this is one of those where you don't have to tank. Right. You know, on the field. I mean, you, you can play your ass off, which I think for the most part they do. Not for They do. But until – I always default back, and I'm wrong sometimes on this. Until they get the offensive line fixed, who's going to do anything? I mean, the, the defense is going to give up points because that's what – you know, other teams are pretty good. But hey, l- let's let's get to that, chat because I, I asked Kevin this earlier. I I had this weird – I had this feeling that like in two years – some story's going to come out that we're going to find out that one of the key pieces of that line was hurt, had an ankle injury, whatever it might be, and it was and it just caused everything else around it to be off kilter and off balance. Or maybe it's just that one guy forgot how to play. I have no idea. I mean, I'm at my wits end on that offensive line. What, quite frankly, because they do have guys that we've seen play well in the NFL, what is the issue? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the left guard. Uh I mean, I mean, on on we're going to find out something in two years. I, I've asked people, I've talked to people, uh, I talked to Frank about it. I said, Frank, what what's up with Quentin? And they don't know. You know, it's one thing. And when you've been in this long enough, you think, well, boy, he got paid. Now he's toasting. That's not Quentin. That's not even close to who Quentin Nelson is. Something's going on uh, uh, physically. I don't know, but as a group. It, everyone has taken at least a step back and some guys uh, at the position and some guys have taken two and three steps back left tackle. We, we were all trashing Eric Fisher, uh, in, in pass protection. He's pretty good run blocker. He's pretty good. And Quentin last year had the injuries. Ryan Kelly has, has regressed to some level. I don't know what level you want to put it. And I'm telling you, the drop-off from Chris Reed and Mark Lewinsky at right guard to what they've done is immense. It is. I think Braden Smith's playing okay. I think he's all right. Whenever his shortcomings come up, they look worse because of whether it's scheme or everybody else around him is bad. But going with Matt Pryor, who's now been benched at three positions, which is really, you know what that makes me think about is back in the day in baseball, you had these guys, Burke Campanaris, where you played all 11 positions. Are they going to try to have him bench at three spots? I mean, and Danny Pender hasn't worked out at guard. He's probably a center. So, and, you know, we all knew they would miss Jack Doyle. They really miss Jack Doyle. He's sort of part of that offensive line group. But everybody has taken a step back. And when you do it collectively, this is what we get. We get 35 sacks. We get 30th in rushing. Uh, and I don't know how... I know. I, I know. A lot of people were on the fire Frank Wright bandwagon. I just don't know how you call plays and how you find any kind of efficiency when you've got this offensive line play. I, if someone's got an idea, let me know. But the, how do you fix it now? It, it's it's November, so I just don't know how this gets better until the offensive line is at least, you know reliable and right now it's not i do want to get to the play caller here coming up on sunday in just a second but um go back to monday night and i guess a little bit of chris ballard related chap um i i have the feeling that if jeff saturday wants to be here next year jim mercy will give him some role within the organization might not be head coach but i i think 
that that could very well be in the cards. Um, better chance Chris Ballard has a role with the Colts next year or Peyton Manning. Chris Ballard, <laughs> I, I, boy, the Peyton Manning. What would Peyton come in at as 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 GM? Jeff's uh, the head coach, and Peyton's the GM. Wow, I could see Jeff as as offensive offensive line coach, which I thought they should have done in this instance. Let, you know, let John Fox or somebody run, basically run the day to day of the football team because they know what's going on, and you know. This I don't want this to come out as I'm being critical of Jeff Saturday at all. That's not the case. It's just that he's coming in and and not knowing he may know the roster because he's been a consultant and I'm sure he's been watching film on all this. But the day to day stuff of running practice and meetings and all that that's that's something that's ingrained and I guess they just sort of keep the same schedule. But but that's a schedule he's not familiar with. So I, I thought maybe they they. You know, give it to John Fox or Gus or even Bubba, you know, Bubba Ventrone, and, and let Jeff come in if you want to as that consultant, as an offensive consultant, as offensive line coach. I don't know, but this is what he's he's doing, and it's really going to be interesting how this thing unfolds for the next eight eight games because you know at the end of the season, Kevin, you asked a question on Monday about Chris and Jimmy. Basically said, well, of course he's going to be here. He was not even in, in my mind. Well, you know, he told a couple of national guys a week or so ago that, you know, he had a good, he, he was in a good spot with Frank and, and Chris. It, it just seems so, like to me, Jeff, Jeff Saturday right now would have more say or would have Jim Mercer's ear more than Chris Ballard. And well, that to me is very awkward. That's, uh, and, and how else can you read it? I, I agree with it. And, this is one where you'd love to get some truth serum in a guy and see what they <laughs> what they believe with, you know, like with Chris and how the, the one the one quote that jumped out at me that that he that, that Chris said when they had the discussions with Ursay over what they're going to do. He said we had very spirited discussions. Well, you only have spirited discussions if you disagree. So you know, I don't know how much at the end. I think Chris very much. You make a decision, you go forward, but that doesn't mean he agreed with this. He didn't look really, you know, comfortable on, on Monday. He didn't want to, I don't think he wanted to be there because it just—that's not who he is at this point. He, he wants to take care of the team and move forward. But yeah, it, it's a strange dynamic, uh, and it's—that's that, why I say it, it's. People are saying they're going to tank. I don't think they need to because things are are, are where they're at. I don't know where this team comes out of this. I just don't see how structurally and personnel-wise they come out of this. And that's got nothing to do with laying on laying down on the field and tanking. It's just that this is who you are right now. Chap, you have... Mike Chappell is our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. And for those that don't know, and I can't imagine there would be probably anybody listening that don't, <clears throat> but you've covered this team and been the beat writer for them since the Mayflower trucks arrived, which means... Myself, Kevin, other people within the community here, we can speculate as to what it was like when Bob Ursay was here. We've heard the stories. We've read the articles. We weren't actively in the locker room getting post-game comments when Bob Ursay was coming in and cutting guys in the locker room and having plays called down from the press box, etc. You were. And Jim Ursay was. Jim Ursay's very actively and very 
you know, vociferously claimed that he never wants to enter that territory. I'll ask you the same question that I asked Stephen earlier this morning. Has Jim Mersey started to get his big toe to crossing that line that he has tried so hard to not cross in terms of over-interference as his father had? Yeah, he's got his toe in the pool. I, I, I do think that. And on one level, I understand it because it's his team. And sure. He do what he darn well pleases. I understand that. But the one thing that Jimmy told me early, early on is what you do as an owner is you put people in place and let them do their jobs. He told me one time that the only time he's really going to interfere, if that's the right word, is if, if, if the family name and the horseshoe is in danger, the reputation. And I know of a couple, two or three times that he's done that. But this is this is a little different because I don't think anyone can no, no one's going to sell me on the idea that this was a, a a a universal decision that we all agree on. This along with Matt Ryan, I don't believe that. <clears throat> but Carson Wentz wasn't. So it, it 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 sort of if you're not careful, it really undercuts your GM. It just does, uh, and that's. You, you, you've got to be careful when you do that because, it, it, like I said, it undercuts everybody below you that you put in place to do their job. And I hope that's not where we continue to go because I don't think that's really a healthy environment. <clears throat> Jeff Saturday is beloved in this town. I think he's beloved just in general because he's a super nice guy. He's obviously, you know, he knows the game. I mean, he's got everything that you would want, right? He just, he's a polished individual. I know that the resume from a, you know, that's that, that aside, from a personality standpoint, Jim Mercer talks so much about representing the horseshoe. And Jeff Saturday would do that for any company as well, you know, Bailey and Wood, whoever it might be, as well as you could ask. Does that put even more pressure on Chris Ballard, who I thought did not act professionally the other night? Well, it, it puts him in, a, in some of an awkward situation because, again, he's not, he wasn't part of the 2000s. You know, we've got Reggie here. We've got Cato June here. David Thornton is in a key position internally. I mean, a key position. And now you've got Jeff, and you've always got the, the Peyton Manning, you know, aura out there as well. And, you know, and you just had all these guys back here. What was it for the Washington game? And and it just sort of rekindles what they once had, and they want to, what they want to get back to. So, I, I would it's it's got to be it's got to be awkward. It, it just does because everyone has egos. Everyone knows what their job is, and and it seems like there's been some of that has been either taken away or or diminished. I don't know. I think what's more interesting, and we're, and we're not going to find out about it today in the locker room, is how do the players feel about this? They, they, they were shocked with Matt Ryan. Kevin was in there. They were shocked. And I've seen a few comments from guys. They were shocked about Frank Wright. How, how, how does everyone respond to Jeff Saturday? And, again, I don't, this is, I don't mean this to be a criticism of Jeff at all. It's just a situation. To where if I'm DeForest Buckner and if I'm Stephon Gilmore and, and 15 or 20 other veterans, th- th- this this is not what they signed up for. Right. Like, I'm here because we were all chips in, right? I'm not here because all of a sudden, midway through the season, we decided we're going to change hands, right? And the trade right. deadline's gone. Hey, oh, you're, you're here. You're, you're here. And, and that, that's what I want to see. And no one's going to, you know, I think what we're going to get in the locker room today is they were shocked 
and disappointed that Frank was let go, and we, we failed him, and that's on us. But but how do you feel about where you guys are and, and moving forward? And I, I would love to have been in the room when Jeff talked to the team today. I mean, he, he's a great motivator, absolutely great motivator, a great leader. But these guys these guys want someone that they that they have, I don't say trust, because, well, yeah, I mean, there's someone who's done it before that they can say, yeah, we're, we're going to go forward because I, this guy's done it before, and I can see us coming out of this because of this. And I just don't know how they react. I hope they react well. They, they, they get, you know, it's their, at the end of the day, they can be pissed off. They can whatever. It's their job. They get paid very well to do it. So, you know, kind of like just be quiet and do your job. Well, that's not a great, <laughs> a great work environment. And I'm not saying that's what it's going to be. But you've got you've to expect there to be some players thinking, are you serious? This is where we are now. But at the end of the day, it's their job to do something about it and play well. And, you know, I'm not sure how much better the defense can play. You know what's interesting? And Jake, you're always good about these little things. Just just take it. Let's, let's just take two plays this year. Two plays. A 42-yard field goal is made at Houston. And Stephon Gilmore breaks, that, breaks up that ball against Washington. And we're talking about something else entirely. Two plays. And really nothing would have changed with how this team is. It's just those two plays. And the record is, is a lot better. And you're thinking, you know, we can win the AFC South. Yet here we are. Chap, I got two more. Um, there's many reasons why I wanted to have you on. Again, M Chapel 51 is where, where you're going to find Mike's latest. One of them was you caught up with Frank Reich yesterday. Um, I would say the first thing that stood out to me was Jim Mersey fired this man over the phone, which I think is absolutely ludicrous. Um, it sounds like Frank's going to get away and then – he wants another crack at being a head coach. Do you feel like he would want another crack at being an offensive coordinator, or do you think it'd only be a head coach? No, it was. I asked him that. Uh, if, first of all, on the phone call, if I, I need to go back and listen again because we talked about a ton of stuff. I think he said it just. He said a face to face just wasn't possible. I, I thought he mentioned Jimmy was out of town Monday morning, which seems strange with all this going on. He said they plan on getting together in the next couple of weeks. Was uh, he in Georgia? Was Saturday? I don't know. I it, it just it was one of those things. I, I asked it, and it, hmm. we moved to something else very quickly. And but he 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 does want to coach again. And yes, he, he said my desire to be to be a head coach. I said, well, I said, what about a coordinator or a quarterback coach? I don't know if he would be a quarterback coach. That's I don't God, I want to say beneath him. But he, he's done that before. He wants. I think he wants a more prominent role. He will get one. He will. I think if he's smart, he takes. Of course, he takes the rest of the year off. I don't know if, if there's anything open now that someone would do. Uh, I don't know what's down in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson, but he'll coach again. It, it, it's in his blood. And what he told me, he had hoped to coach here for like ten or twelve years, or win a championship or two, and retire. So he's not looking to go Bill Belichick and, and coach until he's in his mid seventies. But he still wants to coach. He was again. He, he really he was hurt, and disappointed, he, primarily because it, it's he wasn't able to finish this year. And who knows how much better or worse it would have gotten. But uh, it, it's just I think he's a very good coach, and it was a bad situation. Part of what he's doing. I mean, he, he he had things. He had input in in personnel matters. Uh, 
but but I, I think he's a really, really good coach and a much better person, and I wish nothing but the best for him. Yeah, honestly, one of the greater human beings I've come across. Um, okay, last one from me. Uh, we talked a little bit about Parks Frazier, the play caller this Sunday. I'm I'm good with it. I know it's very outside the box, but whatever. All your other moves have pretty much been like that here over the last few weeks. Uh, did I see that you reported that they did offer it to Scott Milanovic, the quarterback's coach? That's what I was told. I was told that, that I was told that. So now, what, huh. and again, I you know you, you just kind of you know, I trusted who I was told it told it from. So I was thinking about that. Well, maybe Parks thought you know, or uh, Scott thought you know, I, I get my plate full right now with a quarterback making his, his third start, uh, and I'm just speculating. But and yeah, Milanovic is the quarterbacks coach. For those that don't know, yeah, and so and maybe he decided that it's it's just too much. For, take me too much away from what I really need to concentrate on. But so we'll see where it goes. And that was one of our big questions with Jeff on Monday: is you know you haven't got a coordinator because Frank fired him, and you haven't got a coach because you guys fired Frank. So you know it's just it's just who who does what, who runs meetings, who 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 does the game plan, who does the game plan now. I mean, I mean the actual game plan. So it, it's that's that's the main thing, and we'll get some answers today, I guess. But yeah, I. I I was told that that Milanovic was was at least offered the job. Chap, I feel like, and I said this this week at the beginning of the week, part of me feels like tonight at about 9.30, you're going to be wading through cigar smoke from Batesy and taking phone calls from Robin and the Benners because you're working at the Indy Star and it's 1986. Covering the those Colts. were great days. Those were great days. They, they were <laughs> I mean, Fridays and Saturdays on the desk were, were totally. <laughs> pains but god it was fun robin you had to spend a week with robin miller in in the newsroom to really appreciate how newspapers were put out i mean and half the time you're sitting there and you're like i have no idea what quarterback we're covering this weekend but let's just go with it (laughs) right that's what it feels like it's it's funny we we, we, in 1984 we're sitting there with john banch and tom reitman i i was banch's backup and and rod dower sat there in the old media room and he said yeah i think he said we we signed Georgia Achika, who was a defensive tackle, and we've cut Arch Schleister. This is after they got boat raced in, in Pittsburgh, and it was like, you, you did what? You, you cut your starting quarterback? And it was like, a, oh, oh, by the way. And and it was the great days back then with, you know, like you said, with Bob Ursay and the things that they did. But that's not the way to run it. That's not the way to run a franchise, but those days were great. <laughs> and I miss him. Again, bet, man. Mike's latest, not only the conversation, exclusive conversation with Frank Reich, but also uh, Jim Merce clarifying some comments late last night. Chap, I know it was a busy Monday night, busy Tuesday night, so we do appreciate you uh, making time for us this morning, and I'll see you here in a few hours. Looking forward to it. Be well, guys. See you, Jake. See you, Chap. Mike Chappell on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Kevin, Greg Poley just texted me. This is great. Can you imagine if Hard Knocks was this year? It'd be starting wow. right now, right? Didn't it start early November? Uh, well, the blank show of the Arizona Cardinals starts tonight on HBO. Oh, is tonight the debut? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd have had those guys in here again. Remember that one day they, they came in and they smelled like a dorm room? They were nice guys, but well, let's they'd been they, working a lot, right? Well, well, were they at the Butler dorms? Let's let's hope that wasn't. <laughs> the case. Who, who looked in more rough shape? Those guys are the Raiders crew at the combine. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about those. That I Raiders crew is the best. <laughs>
like rolling in at 1 p.m. Those guys actually, uh, you know, I guess this week are, are talking Colts, but not for like another three hours because there's no way they're even up yet, right? Unless they have a crazy early morning show like like you're scared of. Yeah, yeah don't. Shh, shh, shh. Four to ten. So Raiders talk. Face to face wasn't possible with Jim Irsay and Frank Reich. You know, Kevin, I, I kind of glossed over that when you said that earlier, and we should probably get into that after the pop quiz. That is, that's an absolute joke. That that's pretty bad. If you you are going to relieve your coach of his duties, and you, I, I don't care if the schedules don't align. I mean, what did you want? One more night in Foxborough? I mean. If you're in Georgia with Jeff Saturday, you fly home. Jim Mercy philanthropically uses his planes to get like people's animals home to them, right? And that's and it's wonderful that right. he does. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, come on. And it's Frank Reich, like one of first off a guy that was on a Super Bowl staff for you, an incredible human being who's done so much good in the community as well. And did you see how Frank Reich handled it with his comments to Mike Chapel? Zero, zero bad mouthing, right. you know, pot shots on the way out, any of that. I just, yeah, I think that's totally ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Um, we will have a pop quiz. Scotty's here. Scotty, apologies. Uh, been a busy Monday, Tuesday, but we are going to get to the pop quiz coming up in a few minutes. Let's do a morning check. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin with basketball. Pretty full slate tonight in the association, including Denver. The Nuggets taking on the Pacers. Nuggets on a three-game win streak. Pacers have won two in a row. Game tips at 7 o'clock over at the Fieldhouse. Kevin will be there cheering loudly because a win for Indiana gets the Pacers to 20% of the way of a big payout for Kevin Bowen. Look at that. Gosh, your math is just so on par. It's impressive to watch. Tutoring later today. Um, but yeah, and my first uh, in-person look at Benedict Matherin. Are they going to need a restraining order? Are they going to have to add extra security? No, be a professional. Will you? Yeah. yeah You'll run out there, try to yeah. get him, give him a hug? Sit on my hands. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last night, Purdue, they get their first win. Matt Painter, a uh, d- little bit of a new-look bunch based off the losses of Trayvon Williams, Jay Nivey, Sasha Stefanovich, Eric Hunter as well. 84-53 to over Milwaukee. Good night for the freshmen. And, uh, Jake, a big one for Zach Eady. Yeah, Zach Eady with 12 points, 17 boards for the Boilers. Again, Purdue now 1-0, and Milwaukee at 1-1. One and one. Uh, uh, Colts first practice of the week will come at well, what about one thirty today. Uh, Jeff Saturday will meet the media a little bit after twelve o'clock. Yeah, we talked so much big picture with the Colts, but like there's relevant questions to Sunday. Is Jonathan Taylor healthy? Is Jonathan Taylor playing? Uh, are there other changes to the offensive line? Will it be Matt Ryan or Nick Foles as the backup quarterback after Jim Mercy's comments last night? Um, so there's a lot of like actual football-centric questions. Parks Frazier as the play caller. All those things for Saturday to field a little bit later. The college football... Mark, come on. There we go. Thank you. College football playoff rankings are out. Give me a number, Mark Dykton, 1 through 20. Third. Uh, 1 three. through 25. Three. 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 We already three. know that. 3 is Michigan. 13. 13. Thank you. 13 would be the Utes of Utah. 22. Okay. 22. UCF. Give me a number for myself. 11. 11th would be Ole Miss, who is one spot behind Clemson that comes in at 10th, Alabama 9th. The top five, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, they would be in right now if the playoffs began, but of course they don't. Tennessee is fifth. And the fighting Illini? 
Uh, Fighting Illini, 21st, one spot behind your Irish of Notre Dame. Okay, so Purdue will be traveling to Champaign. That is a six-and-a-half-point underdog. If Purdue is able to pull off that upset and win, they still could get into the, fate, right? the Big Ten. I think, wouldn't they need Illinois to win one more or lose one more? Is that right? Yeah, no, Illinois lost to Michigan State last yeah, week. correct. Right? I think they would still need some other help just to guarantee it. I think Wisconsin it. might be in play They're there, lurking, but. and then, of course, we lost the head-to-head to Iowa last week, so just a couple other things for Purdue. Nobody wants to win the West, and for good reason. And I saw IU's going back to Connor Baselick. Um, I guess it's better than starting the kid who was in the transfer portal last week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nothing says IU football like, yeah, he's not going to be here next year, but we're going to start him. Indiana's program has announced they're in the transfer portal. What is it, Mark, 41 and a half? That's the underdog yeah, in Ohio State? 41 and a half. That's not bad. Where are we going with that one? Boy, oh boy. I wouldn't even touch that one, I don't think. <laughs> I've got some buddies that any spread, like 30 or higher, they automatically it's, take the underdog. I was going to say, I mean, you get you fall yourself into 10 points, and that means Ohio State's got to score 52 points. But, you know, then again. Text me about... 3 o'clock on Saturday, yeah, Jake, no and see how that's going. All right, Pop Quiz next, 317-239-1070, Jiffy Lube Oil. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. A change up for grabs. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Kevin is intently studying something over there. I don't well, know. Well, I'm examining the pop quiz. I apologize, Scotty. It's been a newsy Monday, Tuesday. And so we have had to hold off on the pop quiz. This has got he's he's, oh. he's looking at the Gainbridge Fieldhouse seating chart, where he's at and where Benedict Matherin's gonna be tonight. Well, how how far do I have to run to go get to him? I do appreciate this from Aaron. Are you going to scout out the perfect location for the Benedict Matherin statue tonight? That will be part. We are gonna get there a little bit earlier. I've mm-hmm. got a few contractors with me and we're just gonna make sure that the location because you know, aren't they doing the plaza across the street for the all star game correct, coming yeah. up? So I just wanna make Ice sure skating rink. Yeah, we don't interfere with that. Um so yeah, that is part of my duties. Rick Rick Fusen and I are actually have a Six o'clock meeting just outside there, so that'll be part of, part of the agenda tonight. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what number would you like to go with? Well, let's go with this. The Pacers are five and five, so why not caller number five? Okay, Mark. Tim. Hi, Tim. What's up? Not much. How are you? Uh, doing okay. Good morning, Tim. Tim, what time did you wake up this morning? Four fifty-seven. Holy cow! Body clock alarm. Body. Wow, what Is that do you every do? Day? What do you do for work, Tim? I work at a steel mill. Oh, that's cool. Um, pardon my naivete here. I, wh- where would that steel mill be? What? What in in the Indy area? Pittsburgh. Okay. Nice. I, what time know? is the alarm, Tim? I didn't have one today. Kid, I, I'm off today. Kids had late start school, so I didn't have to get up till like eight. Gotcha. So your kids are in the Tri-West School District, is that right? 
No, Crawfordsville. Crawfordsville, okay. Fair enough. Who you got? Wabash to Paul. Obviously, I probably know your answer. Wabash. Coming up Saturday, conference championship, 7-2. and two. Little Giants, 8-1 and one Tigers in Greencastle. Tim, you sound like a nice fella. Uh, can we play a real quick round of get to know your listener? We've had a lot of success with this. People just love it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, you, you always say that. I'm not a part of those meetings. <laughs> we have we, uh, we have the meetings when you're at Colts practice. Uh, Tim, let me begin with this. Who was president in the year that you were born? Nixon. Okay, so we're about the same age then. And and you, Tim, are you a native of Indiana? Yes. What was the athletic team nickname of your high school? Charger. Uh, that's North Putt, right? North, North Montgomery. Montgomery. North yeah, Montgomery. Montgomery. Sorry, I always get that confused. Uh, okay, and then lastly, Tim, uh, if you could pick one team, either in the professional or college rank, that you cheer for, that you would most want to see win a championship in their next season, you would pick who? Well, since the Cubs did it about six years ago, it had to be the Bills because my wife's from Lackawanna, New York. Okay, oh, well, that's wow. cool. Happy Gosh, wife. You have fun happy life. fandom. You know? Do um, what, buddy? I said you got fun fandom, although I'm a little worried about this elbow for Josh Allen. Yeah, it's hard telling. You see that, Jake? Kind of oh, looks yeah. like the it, Tommy John ligament, It's like he got right? hyperextended almost. Yeah. Uh, Tim, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off? Uh, Kevin. Okay. All right, Tim. The Chirp Chirp Ball State Cardinals, they lost last night in Maction uh, to, oh, I was about to say the name. I guess that's the question. Holy. <laughs> Who knocked off the Cardinals last night? Kent State, Ohio, Toledo, or Miami, Ohio? Oh, my gosh. I know Ohio to Miami of Ohio played, so it can't be either one of them. Uh, shoot, I, I watched some of it. Toledo, I guess. I can't remember. Okay. Look at that. Trust your gut. Question number two. I had mentioned the other day that there have been that Jeff Saturday is the seventh interim coach in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. Only one of those previous six actually then was retained to be the head coach. Ron Meyer. Boy. I remember well, the question was actually this. The Colts fired Frank Reich and named Jeff Saturday as interim coach Monday. Who was the last head coach who left or was relieved of his duties during the season? Oh. It happens to be the same answer that you just said. Lindy oh, Infante, Rod say. Meyer, Frank Cush, or Rod Dauer? I'll say Rod Meyer. <laughs> okay. All right, number three, and your wife will probably have an opinion on this one. Six quarterbacks led their teams in both passing yards and rushing yards during week nine of NFL play. One of them was Sam Ellinger. Those not many yards. Of the other five, only one quarterback turned the trick into a win. Name the QB who led his team in passing and rushing in a win this past season. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Fields, or Jalen Hurts? I know Fields lost. I'm going to have to say uh, I think Mahomes did good. Mahomes. Okay, question number four. Wabash always fine. Uh, Monday Night Football. We're going to turn back the clock in what seems to be like three weeks ago based on the news cycle this week. But on Monday night, the Ravens beat the Saints. They rushed for 188 yards. That means they've done the 150-yard mark on the ground eight straight games this year. So, Tim, my question for you is this. Name the last team to have nine straight games with 150 or more rushing yards. And they did it in a Super Bowl-winning season, by the way. Was it the 05 Steelers, the 2000 Ravens, the 98 Broncos, or the 85 Bears? 
have to go Terrell Davis, I guess. 90 of Broncos. Okay, to close it out, Tim, name the first head coach to win 1,000 games for one NBA franchise. Jerry Sloan, Red Arabach, Greg Popovich, or Don Nelson? This guy has Indiana ties. I would say uh, Utah. What's his name? Sloan. Nice. Yeah, when uh, Jake said that hint, I was thinking C. Yeah, see? That's kind of a trick there, right? Hey, Tim's a smart dude. Jerry Sloan played at Evansville. Son played at Indiana. Uh, Holy Toledo, the Rockets of Toledo is who Ball State lost to last night. Now, explain number two again, because you were saying this could go a couple of ways. Okay. So, Jeff Saturday, of course, becomes an interim coach. He is the seventh interim coach in the history of the Colts. Of the previous six, only one of those six was then given the head coaching position full-time. That guy also happens to be the last coach to then himself be removed in the middle of a season. Rick Venturi took over for him. The answer is indeed Ron Meyer in 1991. All right, number three. This is impressive that he got this one. I would not have got it. Name the quarterback who led his team in passing and rushing in a win this past weekend. Not Lamar Jackson, not Justin Fields, not Jalen Hurts. Patrick Mahomes. Loud and proud. And we know that Jerry Sloan was the right answer for question number five, by the way, which takes us to number four, the team to have nine straight games with 150-plus rushing yards. Impressive when you consider that back then it was. I mean, they had Matt Suey. They had the fridge occasionally taking a handoff, but the answer actually was the 85 sweetness Chicago Bears. Tim was solid, though. You don't solid. get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're a complete loser! (laughs) In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Tim's got to be there, right? In terms of... That was solid. Participants? Uh, Jake, first year for the Monon Bell game was what? If I had to guess the first year for the Monon Bell game, I would say was 1898. Okay. You know, at one point, like through like 125 games, literally it was like dead even, right? Yeah. Yeah, It was like 60, 60, and five or something. 63, 55, and nine. Wabash leads because Wabash has won 10 of 12. Now, DePaul won two years ago. So, but yeah, Wabash has been on a recent. I like run the here. little Giants. Yeah, always fighting. Greencastle again. That's gonna be a chilly one. It's gonna be a chilly night. High school football, regional. Speaking of college football, head coach of the Marion Knights. That's Mark Henniger. He joins us next to round out the show. Jake, what question are you most curious for Jeff Saturday to field today? Boy, there are a lot. Um, he's already answered. Who will be the qu- okay? He said Sam Ellinger at QB, left tackle Bernard Ryman. Um, he's not addressed it yet, but Parks Frazier, the 30-year-old pass game specialist, assistant quarterbacks coach, never been a position coach in college nor the NFL. He will be the play caller on Sunday. What would have to happen for you to go to Nick Foles? 
injury? That'd be one of my questions. Now, again, Saturday was the one very direct Monday night about Ellinger. Jim Mersey, last night with Bob Kravitz and Mike Chappell, said all three QBs are on the table. Yeah, that that part from Ursay was surprising. Because that doesn't jive with... He wanted Sam Ellinger to be the starter over Matt Ryan. And that was early October. We're talking a month ago. Yeah, I, I just... And Jake, I thought you made a great point. Inconsistencies with the narrative. Yeah, I, I mean... It's difficult to say that you wanted to make the change at quarterback and get away from Matt Ryan because you need more mobility at the quarterback position because your offensive line has broken down while then turning around and singing the praises and the the virtues of the guy that built your offensive line for you. It just seems inconsistent. We'll close things out today with the head coach of the Mary Knights. Again, our coverage of Marion and Lawrence Tech. That is Saturday at noon, and that is the regular season finale, I believe, for Marion. Mark Henniker, head coach, joins us right now. Coach, good morning. Hey, how are you guys this morning? We're doing well. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. So is that a little senior day for you guys on on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, we had senior day. We had 33 seniors, which was uh, just really remarkable. I mean, it's the largest group that we've had here, and, and um, I think mean, it speaks a lot about speaks a lot about our program the guys that we have in it that you know they love love being with each other and love playing football and and uh you know it was kind of obviously it's bittersweet you know watching those guys grow up but you know a lot of good football players that that uh kind of walked out there on the field with their parents on saturday that you know we'll have some holes to fill down the road but um you know if we take care of business this weekend then you know hopefully we get those guys more football you know coach you are right now on a three-game win streak you know obviously we, we talked to you after that um, you know, close loss, but lost to Indiana Wesleyan back in early October. So you've won three in a row. Pardon my naivete on this because it becomes a two-part question. The first being, have you already qualified for postseason play or is that still in the balance for you? Yeah, it's, it's really still in the balance. Um, you know, I think it, 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 there's, there's a couple of games going on this weekend where there's some ranked opponents or some ranked teams playing each other. Um, you know, 16 teams make it across the country. There's 12 automatic bids. Uh, and then there's four at larges. I mean, right now we're ranked seventh in the country. So, you know, if if you know if we win this weekend, then then we'll be in and we'll most likely host. Uh, if we lose this weekend, then you know you really yeah you're you kind know, of putting it in other people's hands, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, the reason I ask that is because you know you got Lawrence Tech coming up this weekend to close things out. Marion is, and kudos to you guys. I mean, you have developed a program where. Uh, we kind of automatically anticipate and expect seeing you in the postseason, and I would assume that kids that are coming to play for you are anticipating that's one of the real draws. They're going to get a chance to play in the playoffs. So with one game left, is it a challenge as a coach to not have your guys overlooking and having their eyes towards the postseason and realizing there's still a task at hand? Yeah, I mean, it's always a challenge. I mean, you know, you know, kids are kids, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it's obvious that we're hit, getting to that point of the season where, you know, playoffs right around the corner and, and it's do or die time and all that kind of stuff. But I, I do think that, you know, the schedule that we play and, you know, we talk about it a lot that, you know, the, the conference that we're in is, is, you know, it's one of the toughest in the country. And, and so, you know, our, our guys are pretty accustomed to, you know, not looking ahead. You know, I mean, you have to play the team that's on your schedule next. And if you don't, you know, and, and you're looking ahead, you'll, you'll get beat. We've, we've done that in the past. So, um, 
you know, and again, going back to, you know, we've got 33 guys that are, you know, seniors that have been through this and, and, uh, you know, it's a fairly veteran group that, that, you know, hopefully, uh, really understands how important every single game is, you know, and that, you know, second, the second you start talking about, you know, stuff that's not guaranteed to you, you know, you're, you're going to lose that opportunity. So, um, you know, we had a really good practice yesterday and, and I anticipate our guys to be pretty focused and, and, uh, and Lawrence Tech poses a good challenge. I mean, they, uh, they beat St. Francis over the weekend for the second year in a row, and you know they've they've you know they got a bunch of seniors that are you know getting ready to play their last football game, and you know so uh, it'll be a heck of a challenge for us. Coach, well, only uh, only have about a minute left, and looking at your resume, North Carolina. Wesley and Marion, I don't think you were ever an interim coach, but obviously the big storyline here this week has been Jeff Saturday taking over the Colts. Yeah. What, what do you think, you know, kind of the first like biggest items on Saturday's plate walking into an interim role where he isn't a guy on staff just being promoted to the head role? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's just crazy to me. I mean, I've, obviously I've got my own problems to worry about, but, you know, I, I think for him it's, you know, it's coming in and, 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 you know, just kind of, you know, what type of culture can you establish? You know, I mean, obviously he's got a tremendous name, you know, walking in. I mean, there's, you know, there, there are a few people in Indianapolis and, and Colts history, I'd imagine, that are as respected as Jeff Saturday is. So, you know, I think he's got a little bit of credibility when he walks in. But, um, you know, the thing is, can he, you know, can he coach? Can he, can he win the room, so to speak? And, um, you know, all those sorts of things. He's got a huge challenge in front of him. So, I, uh, you know, I've got my own problems to worry about. Well, the challenge is there for you guys as well. Talking about Saturday, the challenge from Lawrence Tech kickoff at noon at, uh, again, on the road and then trying to get back into the postseason coverage begins here at noon right here on the fan. Coach, appreciate it. Good luck this weekend, all right? Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's Mark Henniger right there on the Payless Slickers Hotline, again, head coach of the Marion Knights. Our Pacers coverage tonight at 6.30. Inside IU football bumps to 10.30. Again, Pacers and Nuggets. Nikola Jokic. You think there'll be a good amount of Jokic jerseys in the crowd? Probably. Probably some Jamal Murray, too, just because he played at Kentucky. Mm, that's a good right? call. Yeah, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray. You got some talent, Nuggets. 7-3 and three on the year, the Denver Nuggets. Again, the Pacers a 5.5-point underdog. I'm off to West 56th Street. The Colts have their first practice under Jeff Saturday. That begins just after noon. Saturday meets the media at noon. We will recap all of that. Pacers and Nuggets and a new era for the Colts beginning today on the practice field. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow at 7.